to Why Is with Ty and Dan. This week we discuss the Silver Age on the Silver Screen. Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan, a Marvel podcast where we try to figure out just who and what is going on in this cinematic universe. My name is Tyler Borland, and with me always is Danny Vincent. Yep, I'm Danny Vincent, but someone else is here. What? We have a guest? Who is it? Who are you? Where'd you come from? Uh, my name. Do I talk now? Yes. <laughs> okay, awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's quite an entrance. <laughs> uh, my name is Julius. Uh, I'm from Chicago. And uh, I'm happy to be here. What's up, Y is? Yeah. It's good. It's us. We're Y. Hey. Yeah. He's with Ty and Dan. So you're, you're, you're Y, <laughs> you're is. Yeah, I, I get it. And you're Ty and Dan. Uh, Congrats. You finally thought you were yeah. with yeah. No, I want to be with. <laughs> oh, you're with? Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're still looking for Ty, Ty and Dan. Ty and Dan got to be somebody else. You got to invite two more people. We yeah. invited too many people. <laughs> we we have, we have awesome. a joke that uh, if we at, for our end game episode we will invite back every single guest and make them all. <laughs> what? I don't think we will actually do that, but it would be incredible if we could coordinate. Oh that. my! Let's That'd just crash so crash Discord. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I just like right, to imagine man. Sarah Kanoff, who hates every Marvel movie she's seen, and hasn't watched any of them. Out Outside of like Iron Man One, Chung Chi, and Black Panther, and saying like, "Enjoy Endgame." Wait, like she, she, <laughs> she hasn't watched any before MCU, or she's not included us. Oh, I'm just talking MCU. Just talking. Okay, she's actually gonna be on next week for Spider Man Two. So, oh, hi, yeah, cool. Um, but anyway, we have some questions for you, Julius, so the people can get to. Well, first, what do you do? Like you just said, you live in Chicago. Where? Give yeah. us your exact address so we can send hateful mail to you. <laughs> Yeah, so I live in Chicago. I, 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 live, I live in Chicago. <laughs> uh, just be sure to address it, Lori Lightfoot. You know, no, like, uh, but yeah, no. I was born. I was born in. Ra- Is it bad to get political? No, that's not that's, political. This is a dumb joke. That's okay. That's, that was funny. <laughs> yeah, that was you're funny. good. <laughs> okay. Cool. Cool. You tell I don't know the rules, but anyway. Um, was it? Oh yeah, so I'm from Chicago. I was born and raised there. Lived in the South Side for most of my life. Now, I reside on the North Side. Found a nice little basement unit with some good buddies of mine from college and some rats from. Just oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my god, that's like a restaurant. I won't name. I just named I don't it. Want to, I don't. Yeah, you name. Don't don't name it. I don't want to be a sponsor. Right. Oh shit. All right, all right. <laughs> Joe, cut that out. <laughs> 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 I don't want to mess up the sponsor. Oh god. So like uh but well, yeah, what do I do? Um I'm an editor. Like I do video editing. I also do videography where like uh lately I've been editing TikToks for the Onion. It's uh it's quite an experience editing TikToks. I just got into TikTok this year, so now I'm editing though, man, that crazy. And uh yeah. when I'm not working with clients like the Onion, I do uh music videos for local artists. I got a couple coming out soon with um, artists named Julius Dolls. There's Pibble Pap and there's uh, 
Trying to remember who else. I hate that I'm not remembering. That's how much I'm working right now. <laughs> shout, out, good. Shout, shout out to whoever I worked with, and I forgot your name. It is what it is. I already I already paid. I already cut the check. But uh, yeah, I do freelance editing. It's a blast. Premiere is awful, and I'm happy to be here. <laughs> awesome. Well, we are happy to have you, Julius. I've been. Oh well, yeah. I was I was gonna say I, I've been trying to get you on here for a while, but it's not really your fault at all. It's me trying to yeah. find a spot on the schedule for you. <laughs> Well, like, I just wanted to, I wanted to come in on like a movie that I really, really messed with. So I'm glad it's this one at least. Yeah. Instead of like Venom. <laughs> I, mean, I, li- I like Venom. Like, I just don't think I would be the best guest for it. Cause I'll just be like laughing while I'm trying to talk about it. That's yeah. true. Uh, I should have had you on for the Spider-Man musical. No, <laughs> actually, I actually saw like a crazy, like New York underground comedy skit. That's just making fun of that musical. I'll send it to you. I think you'll like it. Oh yeah. Like, I've never seen a musical, but it's the closest way I'll ever watch it. <laughs> it's on YouTube in really poor quality. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't do it. All right, <laughs> but, like, all right. I, I thought we gave a why is award to that cinematography. <laughs> that's I thought, true. We did give it MVP. <laughs> we did. We gave, one of us gave the MVP to the, the person who shot the bootleg of it because <laughs> that's funny. Because it was an interesting, it was a, a lot of interesting choices made. The camera almost always panned away from whatever he decided to swing. <laughs> oh god, I, I don't know. Sorry, so it got, 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 that reminds me of a little story. Can I tell you real quick? Yeah, 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 sure. Like I used to uh, grow, I used to like watch a lot of films on bootlegs growing up. Cause like my parents, like they couldn't take us to the theaters and stuff. So the first time I saw Inception, it was on a bootleg and the cameraman, I swear to, I swear to God, like every time when something crazy happened, like a spinning hallway, he would turn the camera back and be like, what? <laughs> and turn it back to the movie. I, had, I watched that bootleg movie like three times and I just always hear that when I watch it. <laughs> what? It, it, it was a reaction video. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like watching Inception kind of like deserves a reaction, especially in 2010. <laughs> that, that blew our minds. <laughs> that movie blew oh, yeah. our minds. Wild, wild movie. Wild movie. All right. So explain how you met Ty and or Dan. That's your first question, Julius. Well, well I met Ty just now. What's up, Ty? Hey, how's it going? Where, where are you at? I am in a small town in Southern Illinois. Uh, oh, wow. So, so yeah, um, I've been living living here for about about two years two years now so uh, yep just uh right now i'm in a master's program to uh be able to teach english um at a couple different levels in in the state of illinois so so yeah that's what's up up. i used to teach i used to teach it's good it's a good gig um well i met danny well, I know Danny for a while. I know Danny. What year is it? Twenty twenty one. I know Danny since like twenty fourteen. I feel like it's been yeah, like it was twenty fourteen. Yeah, he was like one of the first people I met when I went to college in Southern Illinois. SIU, Salukis, blah blah blah, um, all the slogans. But um, the way I met, Absolutely. I feel like I met Danny like three no, times. No, Danny. Danny, no. Wait, what? <laughs> I said Absolutely. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> that's like the worst. Thing. No, Danny. <laughs> yeah. My God, they need to slice that budget in half. All right, cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> like, keep keep pulling the funding until it stops. Until they start making sluggy jokes. Just, oh, just turn on a vacuum, suck out everybody back, get rid of it. But, um, but now, like, I feel like I met Danny like three different times. 
Because, like, the first, the most earliest, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, Danny, okay. like, was I think, because I had this crazy you call class with Danny, and you call is usually like, you know, introduction to college as a concept. You know, it's like, oh, make sure you go to class on time, make sure you talk to people, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. At least that's what people tell me what you, you call me. But for the film majors at SIU, <laughs> We had this insane, like, okay. Don't, I don't say his name insane, on Mike. Don't say his name. That's okay, the thing. Don't okay. say his name on Mike. <laughs> we had this insane professor. You can really guess in the film program at SIU, but like, we had this insane professor who should never have taught a U-Call class for one. And he was teaching it. And instead of, you know, learning about college, we had to watch very weird short films, like a guy filming his mom naked and just having oh, a I forgot about that movie. <laughs> yeah, like that, yeah, like that movie is, that, that class traumatized me and it kind of prepared <laughs> me for college by traumatizing me. But yeah, shout out to that insane professor. But I met Danny in that class and I, you usually get lunch with people after. And I think I just like got lunch with your group one day. And then we just hit it off. Like, I forget, I forget which movie, my most earliest movie memory of talking, cause I talk with Danny mostly about movies. Like that's how we got along and stuff was he haven't watched Derby blood before. So then you watched it and you said it sucked or like, you just didn't like it. I, I gave it a B. And when I give a movie like that, a B, I'm like, it's terrible, you know? Cause everyone tells yeah, me it's going to yeah. be amazing. Uh huh. And I was shocked. I was shook to my core. Cause we were walking to the library. <laughs> like I literally stopped in my tracks. Like what? <laughs> What I will say, Julius, is I actually remember the first time I really remember meeting you was at an alt news shoot. Um, that's oh, what I was thinking. Yeah, think yeah, yeah. Because I always forgot. I always forget about that shoot. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. And then we, you were like one of the few people there who lived on West Campus or East Campus. You know, East Campus, towers, yeah. yeah. So it's like, oh, like cool. it, SIU has some weird segregation going on, and me and Danny were like at the towers, where like it's so far from our actual classes where it really made no sense to placing and everything. But yeah, me and Danny first met all news shoot. All news is like this really awesome student ran show that uh, was somehow able to like compete against industry shows. And it's won like a day 60 or 30 Emmys in its time. It won a lot lot for a student ran show where like it was really messing with all of the industry people, man, where they had to change the rules on them. Where shout out all news. I hope whoever is running it now is killing it and it's not doing what I did in my last year. But um yeah, I met Danny at SIU and we've been a buddy since talking and arguing and hanging out about movies. Now now Julius, before we move on to our next question, I opened up my letterbox page because I've tagged all my movies all my movie going since 2014 on there because I had a other log so I relogged it and I tagged the movies I saw off you. I want you to guess what the first movie we saw in theaters together was. It was in fall 2014. Nightcrawler. That is our third movie we saw together. The second was when I brought literally everyone I knew to Interstellar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but the that, first that was a fun screening. The first, and I feel like this is actually a very fitting movie for us to have our first movie because we talk about it pretty often i'd say of the modern franchises was the first john wick oh yeah yeah i always forget i saw that in theaters that was that's a good movie it, it was great to see like because also that was like you know john wick well we got on the other questions don't worry tyler uh, but um john wick is such an interesting franchise just in trajectory because, you know, the trailer came out for the first one. Everyone just thought it was like a direct-to-video movie that was like, oh, well, Keanu's in it, so that's why it's getting theatrically. And Keanu was still a joke. And then everyone went to see it and was like, no, that was really cool. And then the second yeah. one kind of blew up. But then the third one was like as big as a Mission Impossible movie. You know, like, mm-hmm. 
And it's just such an interesting, like, how it kept building and building. Because we saw it, like, in an empty theater. I remember. We saw Probably like my favorite, movie. like, big blockbuster franchise right now. Like, I look forward to, like, even with the third one. The third one was, like, my least favorite, but I'm still, like, excited to see what more they got coming with it. Because with that first one, I was even, like, because I was watching, rewatching Spider-Man for this episode, and, like, Willem Dafoe, oh, he's, yeah. like, on a whole nother level with that movie. Because I usually expect him to be, like, you know, either Jesus or Satan when it comes to his roles. And in that movie, <laughs> he plays, like, a really, like, just a good old time friend type character where like it's a different type of zone that he really gets to like perform in where yeah wonderful great always great a bummer to me when you rewatch john wick one because to me i always forget that he's in it and then i go yeah oh yeah he's in it and this is why he's not in the other movies mm-hmm. spoiler yeah, for a seven-year-old <laughs> movie i guess but so so i i haven't seen I've not seen any of the John Wicks, and I know that well, I need oops, to. I just spoiled it. And, no, no, it's okay. It's okay because I have a some somewhat related John Wick story. In that this past week, this past weekend, I was visiting my in-laws, and my father-in-law turned. He's uh, flipping through the TV channels, and uh, John Wick was just getting ready to start, and uh, so. It, he makes it look like he turned he was turning John Wick on so he goes he, he clicks it and then he now we had just went to a uh, haunted trail or whatever that was like a haunted it was like a haunted barn haunted trail and a haunted haunted maze so it, it was actually really good um, so uh, we just got back from that and uh, and then we were all sitting down and he was like in he clicked on a channel and we were like, what's, you know, what are we watching? He's like, Oh, we're, we're watching John wick. He gets out of his chair. He leaves the room. It, the, uh, the movie comes up and instead, what do I see? But the first, the opening scene for saw and I've never seen saw, <laughs> but the first thing I see the tiles of the bathroom of the where those two guys are trapped. And I'm like, I know this is not John Wick. And I was like, there is no way. And I was like, this is saw. <laughs> and and my uh, my sister-in-law's uh, fiance, he he was like, he does not like scary anything. And he was like, no, no, no. What are we doing? And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is Saw. This is not John Wick. We need to change the channel. But does yeah, that, so. Does he like dogs? Because if so, John Wick is a horror movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is true. I do know that about John Wick, so. He's like, I think like John Wick Wallet does have that trope. It does no better dog lover film. This dude has like committed like several genocides because how much he loves dogs. Shout out John Wick. Uh, my last thing I want to say about John Wick, and then we'll move on, is that when I was last at my parents' house, I was flipping channels too, and I saw John Wick three was on, and I was like, oh, I hope this is a good scene, and uh, it was the scene where it's like basically ten minutes of just. The Halle Berry, like, sequence, Julius. Uh, the action after that. I was like, this kind of, like... It was cropped, too. But I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot I didn't like this part of the movie. And I just switched mm-hmm. to Bumblebee. Because <laughs> 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 I was like... And I was like to my mom, like, you have to see John Cena in this movie. It's ridiculous. Because he has, like, one of those very cheesy scars in that. Anyway, we'll go, we'll talk about Marvel. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's talk my, about- fa- my favorite superhero, John Wick. <laughs> so... <laughs> What is your favorite Marvel movie, Julius? Now, you can say a non-MC movie as your favorite one, but then we're also going to ask you to mention what your favorite MC one is. But what is your favorite Marvel movie overall? 
My favorite Marvel movie overall. Why is that a tough question? I don't know. So my much favorite one of yeah, my favorite one overall is probably like it's either Spider Verse and or I I hate to say it, Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past, good. Like, <laughs> it's a good movie. It's yeah. great. It, it's great. <laughs> it's just like the director, you know. Oh but yeah, like, definitely. Um, yeah, we'll, we're Spider- gonna get into talking about someone who's a little uh, iffy later today too. So. Oh yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> But like, uh, but no, but like those two movies, like, cause like I grew up like reading comic books and like something that those films did for me more than anything as I grew up. Cause like I saw those, like when I was pretty much like a grown up, like they capture just all the animation and like wild colors and visuals that those like comic book versions of those properties have where like, I feel like they're like the strongest like fusion of what type of comic book imagery can be brought to the cinematic medium where like on the Marvel side is easily those two for me. I'm like, surprised. Uh, I didn't realize you liked days of your past more than Logan. Actually. Uh, I mean, like I, I love Logan. I just like days future past never really slows down for me. And Logan slows down a little bit at the beginning of the third act for me. Yeah. But, like that sure. one's like my favorite, like superhero scene ever is probably the first scene in Logan. Like I love the opening in that film. Yeah, it's a good opening. So, what is your favorite? You don't have to give an explanation, but you can if you want to. But what's your favorite MCU then? My favorite MCU is probably it's either Thor Ragnarok or Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Which, like, what's funny is like Thor, Rag- Thor Ragnarok. People are like, oh yeah, yeah, that was dope. I love that film. Like, yeah, Taika Waititi is cool. But when I say Guardians Two, like, I get like so much like shit thrown at me. Like, people do not like that movie. Like, I don't ever get that. I loved it. We're, we're like, we're like, I had like a, because I had a weird experience with Guardians too. Because with Thor Ragnarok, did I shoot that in theaters with you, Danny? I saw, yeah, we saw Thor Ragnarok opening night in theaters. Yeah, because Guardians two, I think I skipped when you saw it, or it was during summer. It was something like that. Uh, it came out first weekend of May during finals week, and I ended up going. I saw it in Alabama. Uh, yeah, at my brother's graduation. Because yeah, I, I usually, I usually see these Marvel films with Danny, so I usually like. That's how I have a reason to go by seeing them or whatever. But like with Guardians 2, everybody was telling me like, oh, no, it's awful. And Guardians 1 was like my favorite MCU before Thor Ragnarok Guardians 2. So like I was like, oh, if they're saying it's bad and they all think Guardians 1 is great, then they're probably like, right. And I don't want to waste my time seeing this movie or whatever. But then I decided, you know, it's a $5 Tuesday, the Icon. It's like this Icon's this great theater in Chicago. Great. Shout out Icon. Amazing sound system. They have $5 Tuesdays, right? So I was like, oh, let me go check out Guardians 2. It's just $5. I got nothing going on the afternoon. I go and I'm the only person in the screening. Amazing. Just amazing movie where, like, just like what I was talking about earlier with Days of Future Past and, like, uh, Spider-Verse capturing, like, an element that I loved in my childhood, like, uh, if I wish for comic books, Guardians 2 does that for me with, like, Saturday morning cartoons where it has, like, this really, like, amazing pop animated energy going for it throughout where like it's really a film that's like just has its aesthetics on the front and everything else doesn't really like matter as much where some people i get like why that sucks but for me like that's why i really wanted from a guy who has like as much ambition as scale like james gunn where like i feel like that guy's probably like the most exciting director who's on the mcu lineup because like he really gets how huge and how vast these like properties can be yeah i don't want to get too much into it because eventually we, like obviously you can't because you're you might not be here but we will eventually cover guardians too but um but with guardians 2 to me what's interesting to me is not necessarily although everything you mentioned is certainly great what's interesting to me is that it actually like engages with like a thematic 
element that I don't think any other MCU does to its level, you know? Uh, and of course, it's a gorgeous movie, like you said, and like it's just really cool with good character interactions, too. Uh, amazing character interactions. But yeah, like those are my two favorite, where like, because like, like a lot of people are mean on MCU, like at least people who I talk to and stuff. But for me, like those two films are undeniably just like great cinema, where like I feel like, yeah, great movies there. All right. So who would you say is the best Spider-Man on film? Mm, tough question. Because, <laughs> like, I got Brawls of Fall 3. There's like, more than uh, three. Yeah. There's more well, than who, three. What, what are, you, are you counting Miles Teller? Or, I, I, not Miles Teller. I, Miles, Miles Teller. <laughs> 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 that, that is why I worded it the way. I used to ask this question, who's the best, Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, and uh, Toby. But now I... I, I a couple people had cheated and I kind of cheated at one point too when I answered it. So well, I'm there, allowing there you There was dispense. one episode. There was one episode where Danny literally wrote down like five names and yeah. maybe two of them. I offered Tom Hardy Spider-Man. as an option and Jared <laughs> yeah. Leto. I offered Tom Hardy. And yeah, because like, yeah, because like, I mean, there's definitely like more Peter Parker Spider Mans than like the main three. But when people have this question, it's usually down to the main three. So I'm just gonna stick with that. Where, okay, yeah, for sure. You don't, I don't have to say Jake Johnson. <laughs> he's great. Like, he's amazing. But, like, I don't know. For the main three, I got to go with Toby, which, like, it's definitely, like, you know, nostalgia bias there. Because, for one, like, I'll be real. Like, I've only seen Homecoming uh, for, like, Tom Holland. I haven't watched Far From Home. But, like, Toby, like, because, like, I feel like what a lot of people like about Tom Holland is that he's the first time we really get to experience Spider-Man, not just as like a nerdy, awkward teenager having to figure out how to become cool. Tom Holland, while he's not like, you know, the most smoothest or like, you know, coolest like type of Peter Parker, he's way closer to that than like any of the other two got to in their run as Peter Parker. You know what I mean? Where I could definitely get why he's a major consensus, why everyone loves him. Like he does the role great, but like, it's just more like a more deeper reason why he's not my favorite that I don't feel like getting into that as a whole other rant. Whereas Toby is definitely nostalgia bias. Like that's Spider-Man I grew up with. It's why like some people still think Michael Keaton is the best Batman where when I first like got into Spider-Man, like growing up for the movies, like that, like fit exactly what I was looking for. Like the, the sweethearted nerd who was able to like take this, like, you know, great power and do some great stuff with it, but also still like having to deal with the tragedy and growing beyond that and everything. Cause like something about Spider-Man that I love a lot is like, as uh, America tell is that like, it's really based around tragedies in his characters' lives. Like almost each story with Spider-Man is like something that he's losing, but gaining at the same time where Tommy McGuire and I think mostly due to him having like, to me, the best director of the three was able to express that, better than any of them for me. Because Andrew Garfield, I don't think he sucks as Peter Parker. I just think he got like a real bad shake in the hand when it came to like the script of direction. Because I feel yeah. like he's doing great work as the Peter Parker they told him to do. I think like he's still doing good acting or whatever he's doing, but it's not like, it's definitely just like way more unrecognizable than whatever some people could feel like about with Tom Holland. But yeah, like that's, that's why I like Toby the best. Like Toby's just like, he... Like, he doesn't really get to go as far as Peter Parker as the other two did, but he does the most he can with it because, like, He's I feel like Sam gives him the, Yeah, he gives him the best <laughs> understanding of the three. That, that too. That, which, that's why I think it's fine that I still say he hasn't got the furthest just because, like, with Sam Raimi, due to, like, how many villains were compacted into Spider-Man 3, he doesn't really get to grow up much beyond having an emo phase, you know what I mean, <laughs> that trilogy. 
I, I'm not really looking where, where, forward to visiting Tom, where, Where's Tom Holland? He already, he got like Iron Man. Like he has two dead uncles now. You know what I mean? Like so the first much. one barely counts. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um, I, you did say something that I'm not going to discuss now, but I want to put a pin in and wait till me and Tyler talk about No Time to Die with. But I think there's always something to be said when you the first thing you see is your favorite. The reason I say it is because, you know, I just saw No Time to Die. I'm really like, you know, whenever they replace Daniel Craig, I think, He'll always be my favorite Bond, you know, kind of like what you said with Keaton and Toby. And I think that's always an interesting, like, you know, not really a topic, but like an observation. Yeah, um, yeah we're like, I'm, I'm going to be upfront about it. It's just like, that's, it's hard for me to take that away, to take that away from me for how it works for me visually. You know what I mean? Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So the last guest we had on, Chris Seaman, gave us a question to get to you. So we're going to give it to you first. You're going to answer first, then me and Tyler will give our answers that we came up with over the past few months. So, the question is, if you could add any live-action film from the last decade into the MCU, what would you pick and why? Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is the reason? Wait, wait. Are you gonna, wait like, is, is Bruce Banner going to be in Margaret? Oh, wait, wait. We got to clarify both to Tyler and the listeners. Uh, what is Margaret? Please tell us what Margaret is. <laughs> Margaret is a Kenneth Lonergan melodrama that came out in like I think 2010 or 2011. It was supposed to come out in 2006, but like they kept saying, this is too long. It's too sad. So they uh, put it in the back burner until like it came out in 2011. But yeah, it was a really good drama. They was like, I only said that because like, are you talking about movies in general or just superhero movies? No, it's super. No, it's any movie, any movie, <laughs> any movie in general. Any okay, movie. Yeah. I don't know. That's why my real answer. I was just trying to be funny. I, mean, I, mean, I was gonna say you're gonna have I, it be I, Bruce just, Banner <laughs> be driving yeah. the bus because Mark <laughs> Ruffalo. Okay, so the plot yeah. of Margaret Tyler my- is that a bus hits a woman. And the main character witnesses in the street in the next three hours it's her dealing with like the PTSD and trying to find justice, but there is no real justice in the world. That's, yeah. That'd be a good way to sum it up really quick. There's a lot more yeah. to it. Uh, yeah. But there's, there's Mark Ruffalo plays the bus driver. So that's why I'm saying, is it Bruce Banner? <laughs> it's a woman. And like the main, the main lady, she's played by the girl who plays Rogue in X-Men. So like you got, you got the serial connects there. So like, you know, Rogue origin story. Hulk messed up Rogue's <laughs> life. I have been tempted to give you Margaret, but but it's so long, so I can't. <laughs> this, yeah, this this is how you introduce X Men and MCU. <laughs> like, by like no other way to introduce it in a bus. Like, oh, no. <laughs> for some reason, Bruce Banner got fired and became a bus driver. He and you know he made they made him a little too angry with that jaywalking. <laughs> Watch Margaret; it's a good movie. <laughs> yeah, it is. But yeah, right. I wish I had a better answer. I thought it was a joke. Sorry. Oh, it's a good time. I like it as an answer. It's pretty good. Cool. Tyler, what's yours? You go because I'm still trying to figure that out. All right. I, I want to explain my justification before I say what movie mine is. It's okay. got to be. It's got to be in the past decade, right? Yes. Past decade. Now, I was think So I was thinking about this. OK. And I thought, you know, if a movie's in the MCU, that pretty much guarantees it to get a sequel if it's a franchise movie, right? Like, cause the or the character is going to return away. So I got the thinking: what character in a non-MCU franchise starter that didn't necessarily get a sequel would I like to get a sequel from? And moreover, wouldn't mind 
joining the Avengers as like one of their teammates. And I realized the one choice for me, the one good movie that would fit into this is Dora in the Lost City of Gold. I want Dora the Explorer to join the Avengers. That is a great movie. It is fun. It is charming. I could see Dora hanging out with the new Black Widow and like... Why not just give all three of them a movie? New Black Widow, New Hawkeye, and Dora. I, I think that Dora in the MCU... And then Swiper is Benicio Del Toro, who is already the collector. <laughs> so we could get Benicio Del the collector collecting Swiper and discovering it's his long-lost twin. This is my Dora fan fiction now across over at the MCU. And I, I, gotta, just, I, gotta. I think Dora would be great. I think Dora would be a good addition. We don't have... A, okay, I guess we do have a super genius uh, teenager who does adventures, but unfortunately, we I kind of want Letitia Wright to get fired. So, I gotta, so, so just bring in Dora. So, yeah, let's, let's make let's make Dora the new Black Panther. Let's do it. Let's get it going. <laughs> <laughs> Dora in the Lost uh, City of Gold is now in the MCU in my world. <laughs> <laughs> like uh i got a quick question about that movie dora like, that's cool <laughs> yeah dora, like okay, do they do they do they do the song in that movie uh the it is song? at the end well they do it at the very beginning uh like in a flashback and then uh, they do it at the end at the do prom they like a, do they have like a, a serious orchestra number. to it or anything no it's like the, the that movie's directed by the guy who did the Muppet movies with Jason Segel. Oh, okay. So, so he it's gets like it, an he actual dance sequence at the end, like a big dance okay. number at the end. Because like I was like listening, I don't don't ask me why, but like I was listening to the theme song the other day, and like I was just laughing, just imagining like if they made like a sad edit for the movie, where it's like Dora, 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 the Explorer, like whispering to like Sims in the back. But yeah, you know, I just remembered. You know, Dora also shares Michael Pena. Michael Pena plays Dora's father in it, so Dora can be in Ant Man three. Yeah, yeah, boom. Michael Pena is Black Panther's dad. Like, let's make it happen. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine his Ant Man character being Black Panther's dad? Yeah, let's get it. <laughs> he's in. He's in the other zone or whatever. Afterlife. <laughs> hey man, how's it going? <laughs> There's the trees are beautiful here, man. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Tyler, what is your answer? So the one that I keep going back to um, is Mad Max Fury Road because of how isolated it is. Um, and Tom Hardy. Yeah, and, and Tom Hardy. Now, that also gets a Tom Hardy variant introduced into maybe... Maybe technically, I mean, the thing is, the thing is with Mad Max is it's so out there. It, you know, the premise of Mad Max is already so wild that it can pretty much go anywhere that it needs to to get itself connected to the MCU. So, uh, so yeah, that's that's my Fury my Road. Thing. We're gonna ride historic on the Fury Road. I feel like I feel like he more than Joe would be able to make like uh, he will win end game. Mediocre like, to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh! Could you imagine? Could you imagine during the big battle in, in the end game, 
with the, you just see them get out the spray paint and they're like witness me and then they ride into <laughs> ride into battle yes instead of on your left so you just hear witness me and all the witness boys me. come out of the portal <laughs> they all come out of the portal <laughs> just like just just i feel like space jam 2 is kind of forced in where it's like you can just have all the properties and anything. They got they got just turn MCU to Kingdom Hearts. That's what's got to happen. With right Dora. Now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like I can't remember what Chris's answer was to this, but I feel like for some reason someone said Parasite for this, and I'm like, I don't. That's that, that is so funny. <laughs> now you, you might not have somebody. said it, but I, I feel like. You see- Parasite's an interesting <laughs> one too. You see somebody flying in the background while they're getting stabbed. <laughs> Spoiler alert, right. someone gets stabbed in Parasite. <laughs> Alright, so Julius, you have to give us a question for our next guest. Okay. Oh man, I didn't even think. <laughs> I was just thinking about my joke question. Um that's BMCU related, right? Or Spider-Man. Because we're doing a Spider-Man. Spider-Man related. We're doing five weeks of Spider-Man. Well, right. six weeks early, but yeah. Okay, so like, um, can it be like a scenario question? Uh, ask it and we'll see. <laughs> All right, All right. You got, okay, so you're in an elevator with like the president of the Sony movie. You got, a, you got like five minutes to pitch one of the Spider-Verse Spider-Mans to get like their own movie. Which one do you go for? Okay, that's a good one. Okay. All right, yeah, yeah, I like that. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So Julius, we Sorry also be an elevator. This is just like I slide the elevator. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> it's it's the <laughs> elevator from Willy Wonka to Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw uh, that. Um, there's like a leaked set video of it of him singing, and I was just very like thrown by it because you can hear what he's singing. And I was like, how is the audio so good in this bootleg video? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, 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 get this. I didn't know he could sing. Uh, well, I, my guess is uh, he recorded it in the studio and they auto-tuned it, and then they're recording playing uh, it back. Cool. Um, so, what would your answer be to this, Julius? Which one would you pitch? Oh, what would I pitch? Oh, I got it. Like the one for me would just be like Spider Ham or the, the the that's the name, right? Spider Ham. Spider Ham, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, haven't, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it in a couple of years, but like, I think like just uh, animated like ninety minute Fritz the Cat type thing starring John Mulaney. And he has to write. He has to write the script too. John Mulaney. John Mulaney has to write the script too. Like, I think that'd be like the. For me, I don't know if I'll make money, but I will watch that like a hundred times in theaters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> either, yeah. Either that or Spider Noir, like a Nicolas Cage black and white Casablanca Spider. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty like, cool. Yeah, I'm um, for that. Uh, to see uh, Fritz the Cat esque film on Disney Plus. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm just dropping like the worst references. And don't don't watch anything I suggest. <laughs> I, I was gonna say a lot of people listening are gonna have no idea the movies you dropping, and they're yeah. gonna Google it and be like, "How is this guy let on the show?" Yeah, you know, like Thor Ragnar, I got a real Tarkovsky feel. Like I'm sorry, I'll stop. <laughs> All right, let's do the uh, the spoiler alert. Um, yeah. Uh, so from this point on, we will discuss. <laughs> we will discuss uh, 2002 uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man uh, and possible spoilers for future productions. Uh, we do not claim to have knowledge of said future spoilers, but will gladly take full credit if such come true. 
We won't address any leaks, but if our speculations align, it's purely coincidence. So now we're going to talk about Spider-Man 1. Now, before we get into our thoughts on the movie, we're going to talk about how we first encountered Spider-Man 1. Uh, do you want me to go first? Yeah, because I'm trying to figure out uh, when this movie came. I know it's 2002, but I didn't know what, when exactly through the year it did. Julius, you'll go last. Sorry. That's how it works. Yeah, that's fine. You go last. <laughs> Sander only helps me remember the year. You can cut this out if this is too much, but like, it's just remembering that like it's right after nine eleven. Yeah, I, no, you don't need to cut. So that like two thousand two, because the first trailer of it had the Twin Towers in it, and they had to pull the trailer. Yeah, because, that um, kind of helps me like place it because I like X Men's like two thousand, I think, and then like that came out next. Also, you can tell some stuff, and this is very post nine eleven. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, a lot yeah. of it is. Yeah. Well, and is. and there were even there were movie posters, early posters for the film that had the reflection of the twin towers in Spider-Man's um, eye that they had to pull as well. Yeah. So when I was a kid, we've said this before on the podcast. When Jay was on, actually, uh, my parents were very protective. And when Spider-Man came out in 2002, I was seven years old, and I was not allowed to see it. Because it was PG-13. However, this was amazing. In the fall of 2002, my parents decided to finally upgrade our VHS player to a Sony DVD player. And they got Monsters, Inc. with it. But unfortunately, Monsters, Inc. is not a Sony movie. So it does not come free with the Sony DVD player. Spider-Man did. So... Spider-Man was the first PG-13 movie and the only PG-13 movie I was allowed to watch until I believe Spider-Man 2 came out. (laughs) Uh, And what was interesting was, is I wasn't allowed to watch one scene in this movie. And that's the scene with the kiss, because it is uh, suggested to be. At least this is my interpretation from my dad. I think he read it and I I, you can see it uh, as almost about to be a rape scene. But yeah. I also don't think if you're seven, you read it that way. That's that's I think making it a forbidden scene made me be like, what's in the scene? More than if I just seen it, be like, oh, bad guys are attacking Mary Jane, you know, at seven. Yeah, yeah that's not that's not too crazy. Like, like, I don't know. I think a kid could watch it. It's just a horror scene. Oh, well, definitely. Like if I, if I ever have kids, I'm like, I'll show them the whole movie. But also, I'm not going to judge my dad like for that. I'm like, just going to show that one scene when I have a kid. That's only scene. <laughs> I got this kiss. <laughs> Can we watch the rest? But, no. it's, but in that sense, uh, I want to talk about this now briefly because I don't really want to get into later. It's always so weird to me because that scene is like, you know, he runs into MJ. They, he goes like they like have a talk outside her job and then they they go their separate ways. And in my childhood memory of this movie, it cuts ahead to the fire department scene immediately. So whenever it continues on to some people chasing Mary Jane, I'm like, oh, what's going on? Because <laughs> I watched this movie so much as a kid. I wanted to yeah. be Spider- I would play the DVD menu in the background so I could get that awesome Danny Elfman score and pretend to be Spider-Man. Um, but yeah, that's my first experience with Spider-Man 1. Big childhood movie for me. Gotcha. Yeah, this was... Um, I'm pretty sure this was my first live action superhero film that I that I had ever seen. I was eight when I saw it and I at my parents actually took me to the movie theater uh, to see it. Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin was terrifying to me as an eight year old. And he he's still like, you know, rewatching it. Um, 
rewatching it now and I'm like, yeah, this this guy's putting on an acting clinic. I mean, Danny, we said that Tony Leung was putting on an acting clinic in Shang-Chi and Willem Dafoe does it does it uh, here. I disagree to a sense, but we can get into that later, because the thing is, uh, with Shang-Chi, really, Tony Leung is like the only great performance in that movie. I think there's a lot of great performances here. Man, you put a guy on a TikTok, he's going to win the Oscar for it. (laughs) Just just a TikTok of Tony Leung's eyes. (laughs) Yeah, oh my God, what a legend. Uh, So, so yeah, that was my my first experience um, watching it, and I do remember... The movie theater that I saw it at, I didn't usually go to that movie theater to see see films there. And this film or this theater actually had speakers um, set up in the back of the theater where like the one that I went to, uh, usually it had the speakers um, on the on the sides, and this is like an old theater. It sounds like it, it was an old it was an old one, the one that I usually went to. Well, I went to go see it at this other one, and it had speakers at the back. And I remember, like you could hear uh, the glider, like it was coming from behind you, and that was that was really cool. And I remember, like I turning around in the seat and like looking behind me, thinking that. This glider was coming, you know, coming at me. And so, so yeah, I do have fun, have uh, very fond memories of, uh, of seeing when I first saw this film. So, uh, Julius, what about you? <clears throat> yeah. Um, with Spider Man 1, like when I was a kid and around the time when it came out, I didn't really like watching much live action stuff. Like, I think the only live action stuff I'll even really. <laughs> I can't even, can't really think of what I would watch back then when I was young, but like for movies, I only really watch like animated stuff. It's just like how I was as a kid. I didn't really care much for live action stuff. It usually just bored me. And uh, but I remember like with Spider Man, like outside of Blade, I didn't really watch any live action films. Blade, maybe Fast and Furious, and like um, Baby Boy. Like I would walk in, my brother and my sister or my dad or all three would be like watching on the TV or whatever because they had like a DVD collection. I remember I walked in on them watching Spider-Man because they had that on DVD and it was the scene where uh, Green Goblin dies. Like I remember being so like emotionally like impacted watching that scene. I think I was like, but I did the math real quick because I was at t- 2002. Well, if it was on DVD, it would have been late 2002 or early 2003. Yeah, this this um, came yeah. out. It released in theaters May 8, 2002. This, this movie so. codified the May opening weekend type of thing. Yeah, I think I, I, think I was like six or something. Like, it was probably that. But, like, uh, but yeah, I remember that scene stuck with me just because, like, I had all I saw was like this two suited dudes. They look like they're Power Rangers. That's why I watch this because Power Rangers. But like, yes. it really like, is very Power Ranger like, points. It <laughs> is. Yeah, where I was like, there was like these two Power Rangers doing like this really intense dark lighting and very serious stuff. And then like, uh, he goes like, God speed Spider Man. And then he flips <laughs> and uh, then goes through. I was like shocked. I was like, oh my God, is he okay? I was like a dumb kid. So like, they're like, go get out the room. You know, he ain't supposed to watch this. And then like, but I was like, no, no. You, you like this let's just play it again so like i had to watch it backwards the first time pretty much because i saw like his death first and then like they showed me the whole movie like i was immediately just like shook when that was kind of like my first live action like film experience where i really like paid attention got to all the characters where like i want like just like how danny said like i want to be spider-man so bad after seeing that movie like that really like blew up my interest 
into superheroes. Even like blew up my interest, just like like all other things, just like all all the sketches I would have because I used to draw as a kid. Would either be like Dragon Ball Z ripoffs or just like Green Goblin ripoffs. I just loved his design, especially. And yeah, like it blew me away as a kid when I watched it so much until like the second one came out and I watched that for like ten years and never really looked back. But the first one, I like, yeah, that, that's kind of story me watching as a kid. I think Spider Man is this is such a, and I think. Not just us. I think a lot of people are age. This is a very formative movie for our generation. Yeah, uh, yeah. Pretty, pretty universally for like because you could miss any other superhero movie. You probably saw this one though. You know, like there's no way you missed Spider Man one. <laughs> you, you had to have seen either at least one or two. Like I know a lot of people who haven't seen any of the X Men's. So like I get that, but like Spider Man. Yeah. Everybody was outside for that. Like it was a mind blowing film. I think this is more aimed for kids than X Men was. That's the thing. It's like you can show your kid this easy. X Men's kind of confusing. But go on. Sorry. I know you're good. But like when I, when I saw this kid, something just came back to mind. It was like so. Like the first thing I saw was Green Goblin like dying. Right. I was like, I was originally I was just more shocked because I thought he was like supposed to be a good character, just like the other guy, or whatever. Where something that like horrified me when I saw it, like at that age was uh the scene where he blows up the rest of the board people they turn into skeletons yeah like that was terrifying to me as a kid but now today it's just one of the funniest parts to me I, i'm yeah. sorry if, yeah. people, if it's not funny but like it's wild that's like one of the things that i get freaked out by just growing up where i'm like this was terrifying you have nightmares about skeletons because of this and now it's just hilarious <laughs> like i don't know sam remy has that weird charm i guess that scene reminds me of um this is such a random thing, but I think this is the movie that made me want to make movies in a lot of ways. Because I remember watching one of the DVD bonus features where they showed like how they did that scene and like how they kept breaking apart that balcony for MJ to like hang off of. And that's what I thought when I was watching it today. I was like, oh, yeah, and that's like a real thing. And there's a green screen under her. But it's like. They, they did that. They built that thing to fall apart and they could redo it so they could do another mm-hmm. take. And I was like, I remember that blowing my mind as a kid. Like, watching it's crazy how, how real it looks, too. It looks so this real movie, when you were a kid. Like, the, the, the montage is just Spider Man going through the rooftop to rooftop, where, like, it's clearly, like, you know, PS2 graphics. But when I was a kid, like, I thought I was like, oh my God, they found a real guy. I, I, I want to defend, <laughs> I'm going to defend the CGI a bit, but not yet. Uh, I know I like it. I'm yeah. not trying. Like, I'm, I'm mocking I think this it, movie like, looks. A, I like it. This movie looks a lot better than a lot of recent uh, superhero yeah, movies, both yeah. MCU and not MCU. Uh, the Raimi montages. Uh, anyway, so but what are our general like? If we had to review the movie, what would we say? Tyler, you go first. Okay, so usually I write down about a paragraph full of things, uh, just so I don't forget them. Um, this one was a little. It was different, uh, and I think it's because of the, like the history with the film, um, because I saw it at like such such a young age. Um, so I'm just gonna I've just got one sentence, and that is this movie set precedents for superhero films of the modern era, and uh, yeah, I like I think I think the first the first X Men film came out uh, X Men live action film came out in uh, 2000. Um, and while it, it was like testing grounds. And then when did the first blade film come out? Blade, blade was the first one. Like that's why a lot of people forget about the issues. Like blade was before X-Men and where like, yeah, blade two also 
Was that? I know yeah, Blade, Blade One I think, is like I think Blade 90s, Two was. I think. I think Blade Two was between X Men One yeah, and Spider Man. I thought Blade Two was two thousand one, but I might no, be yes, wrong. Yes, it's, it's, it's the same year as Spider Man. Oh, it is yeah. the same year. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so like, I know that like with Blade and with X Men, they they were like they were testing, you know, to go like what? How can we push the envelope? What can we go beyond? Yeah. Um And um, I would I would say that first X Men film plays it. Plays it relatively safe and like you know pushing the envelope there. Um, the first X Men movie is a pilot movie. That's always yes, it, it feels like yeah. a TV yeah, pilot. It, 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 it does. That's like such a weird final boss. Like yeah, yeah. And like because like so I think that's really interesting to compare like how Blade and X Men set like you know the steps for superhero films and Trinity this and stuff is that those two films I remember even when growing up they had like this weird like outcast energy to it which like mm-hmm. you can like, immediately expect with X-Men because X-Men are pretty much there to like they're the outcast of that entire universe pretty much and Blade also has that aesthetic of being half vampire but having to be the one to deal with all these vampires where they have like People can say, like, you know, gothic emo aesthetics going on with them, like, you know, the leather suits, the leather jacket, the drum and bass soundtracks in both of them, where what really made Spider-Man be, like, the best film to, like, follow those two is that these were already getting so good despite, like, you know, they were introducing a very alternative aesthetic to a world, to a nationwide audience. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man didn't really have any of that edginess, where due to it being so, like, you know, all around, anyone can relate to this guy's, like, story and tragedy it really made sense why that was one to make it really like blow up altogether. Yeah. 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 Where it takes a Spider-Man to really launch this type of thing. But like X-Men and Blade, like were definitely good enough because they stood out because none, no other film was like, no other film with those type of budgets were like that type of cool. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I also think the important, I think you're, you're entirely right. I think the other very important thing about Spider-Man is, uh, it's, it is a kids movie, and I say that about MCU movies now too. Like these are movies that are made for children to buy action figures, and that's not a bad thing. Like you know, I don't think. I mean, yes, people bought Wolverine action figures, of course. Yeah. Uh, but like, not to the extent of Spider Man. Spider Man really takes it back to like it being for all ages. The like the meanest thing in this movie is that there's like actual blood when characters fight each other. Like you know that, and there's a homophobic. Uh, joke at one point but besides that like the rest of it is very uh, the rest of it is very uh, like nice like to the point it can't but there's still like an edge to it that if you're a kid you're watching like wow this is intense you know yeah like very uh, in a way very uh, I don't want to say Spielbergian because that's a little cheap but it does feel very like Superman like Richard Donner Superman yes yeah yeah and I, I think with this film is it 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 saw what Blade and X Men were doing, and those two movies really like peaked, you know, peaked interest in like what can we do with with uh with superheroes, you know, on on the big screen, especially now that like the technology is is advancing. Um, because I mean, two thousand two, only ten years later, two thousand twelve, and that's when we have uh the first it Avengers amazing. film. Well, that's when we have the Amazing Spider-Man as well. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. what I was well, thinking. I wasn't going to say that, but like, but I mean, it's just, it's just crazy how fast you know how fast the technology advanced. But uh, I think uh, thematically and storytelling wise, this film, I like it. It sets the way that this is how you should tell a story, 
a sorry a uh superhero origin story in this you know this is how like we we need to uh this I, it it's got all the pattern all the all the pattern blocks that makes no sense it's got all the blocks <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what a pattern block is pattern blocks. <laughs> we'll figure it out um, it's got it's it sets like how you put the put the blocks down to build your you know your story um of when you need to introduce this character the supporting characters their motives and the villain and and how we go about um acts one through three um with a with a superhero film and then also i know danny we've we've talked about uh superman you know the the first superman movie being also you know being a pioneer in, well, in that, that. And I, that I think was this, that is the absolute first one. This is the one that kicked off the age of superheroes. Yes, yeah. So, Julius, what are your general thoughts on Spider-Man One? Like, I, I pretty much agree with y'all are saying. Like, it's very much a milestone film, but like, it definitely like unfortunately since it's like you know the first film to do it well. Well, not even do it well. The first film to do it in this way to attract an audience and like start up a culture like this. It's going to, like, have, like, some blind spots that it has, like, you know, no help of, like, avoiding because, you know, it's very much... Because when I say milestone, I mean more just in the sense that this is, like, the first, like, film in this genre that's really going this route with it. Because, like I said, with X-Men and Blade, they had, like, a real easy, like... Uh, not even easy, like, less difficult, like, job of, like, making this type of thing attractive to the 2000 era. Because, like, as I remember in 1999, like, Matrix was, like, the biggest thing ever. So everyone was like very much buying into cool, buying into like dope. You know what I mean? Where I don't yeah. know about Blade because I've never seen it. But to me, the X-Men movies, I could imagine when the first one came out, it was viewed as kind of like an underworld uh, Resident Evil type yeah, of thing. Yeah, where we're like, it's just like a lot of like all black letter rock and roll, like yeah. that type of thing where like it, it had like this sense of danger to it. Whereas with Spider-Man, since it was like, you know, dealing with like, you know, America's sweetheart, the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, it couldn't really go that route, at least not this early. So like with Sam Raimi, he had like a real difficult task of being able to make a whole movie based around that for an audience that wasn't really like, you know, getting the right nutrition to really take this like meal down, you know what I mean? But like he was able to do it better than almost anybody who could have done it if they had the opportunity. We're like, we are talking earlier, I think we weren't recording it, but like, Guys like James Cameron had a shot at it, but like, I don't think someone like him will be able to really capture what really makes this film like still work for me, which is the heart. Because like Sam Raimi, I think what makes him such a like specific filmmaker, because a lot of his films are very silly, they're very pulpy, and they're also very horrific. But like, what makes him really like great is that he has like something like with his contemporaries, the Corn Brothers, is that they really have like a real knack for capturing a specific surreal humanity with like its characters, with its setting, with its themes, where with Spider-Man, literally so many people get like a microphone to speak, where like the setting has a voice in a way, which we see like in scenes where like when he has like people between Mary Jane, the bus, and then the city's like, yeah, you mess with Spider-Man, you mess with all of us, like that stuff, or the weird montage where a bunch of people are giving like to the camera, like, I think he stinks, I think he's cool, like that whole thing. Where hell, I don't, where we're like, so I always thought it was funny. It was like how they introduced J. Jonah Jameson because, like, with, with most films like this, now they try to introduce all the characters through the main hero or like one of the main hero's colleagues. J. Jonah Jameson is just dropped into the movie. There's no character who was introduced before 
with him where he comes into like like a rush of wind where Sam Raimi is like so excited. You can tell he's so excited to introduce this world to us in that way where I feel like while it's a film that definitely like, you know, has like it's outdated parts. Cause like saying that like was funny to like watch today as much as I love McGuire. Well, I was watching it last night. Is that like McGuire? Well, his Peter Parker could definitely come off a bit as like, Oh yeah. The crush of this girl for how long? Have you ever talked to her for this yeah. long? Maybe, maybe you it's, are a stalker. You know yeah. what I mean? I feel like it's funny. We're going to be like, all right, now we're going to dig in. I feel like we just kind of dig, dug in on like everyone's general thoughts already, but we can dig into more obviously in specific uh-huh. areas. But in that regard, I think to me, I watched this movie and I, it's something where to me, I can't even really analyze it as an adult. Yeah. Uh, it just takes me back to a kid and I'm like, yeah, I guess it's creepy. You're right. If I was watching this today for the first time, totally viable takeaway. But to me, I'm a kid, and these are just people who are liking each other a lot. It makes sense that they're talking mm-hmm. about how they've liked each other since second grade, because I'm in second grade when I first watched this. You know what I'm like? like, like that's what I'm saying. And that, and that's like, what I'm trying to say with Sam Raimi is that like his direction and his ability to cinematically like connect and build such empathy for all his characters it's what makes it still work. Cause like, you know, like we all saw like the dare of a Hanson stuff. Like this guy's way too old to be in high school. <laughs> yes. And like, Sunday always thought it was funny with that controversy. People would be like, well, look at Greece. But like, what people don't get with like Greece and dare of a Hanson is that like, well, Greece, everybody looked like they're in their thirties. Like, yeah, that one guy looks like John Lovitz. It's like, he's 50, but no, no, sorry. That guy's listening. I don't want to make it feel bad. But like, <laughs> but like, <laughs> Everybody didn't look like they're in high school. Where Spider Man, if he's still alive, <laughs> but like, but no, but like with Spider Man, it has like the same thing. Where like I remember like when the Flash Thompson fight gets posted on Twitter nowadays, it's a lot of people be like, "This is what was considered cool," and I was like, "Yeah, no, this is also like the weird detail of the spitball, the slow mo of the fist coming in. Like there was like, like look, Matrix just came out." But there wasn't like these type of like aesthetics being brought into American filmmaking like this, where it's like to such a like specific underdog story, like not a guy being the one, but one little regular dude in New York who's has a bully and has that one opportunity to finally like retaliate physically. Where like that fight scene to me is still like one of the most like exciting sequences like throughout the whole trilogy. And like to go back to what I was talking about originally, like this movie has the benefit of like everybody looking like they're way older than they should be. But I feel like through Raimi's like direction and also just that incredible score that is that Thomas Newman or it's uh Danny Elfman. Danny, Danny Elfman. Elfman. I, I just wanted the names, but Danny Elfman, like Danny Elfman is like incredible. Like, he did this in Batman. What, what a legend. But like, um, yeah. Yeah. but yeah, but like with that score and like Raimi's direction, he's able to somehow pull the youth out of these characters where, yeah, for a hot second, you'll be like, oh, these guys, they don't look like they're high schoolers. But like once you get invested in the narrative through the tricks of the filmmaking, you're all the way in. You're really, really like looking at the flaws, like how I'm kind of pointing out because like I'm grown up now, like I'm 25. So like. I can like definitely like notice that Peter Parker can be creepy at times and that the Green Goblin scenes can kind of make no sense narratively at times. But the thing is like, it's one of those films I hate to use this phrase for, but like, if you like watch it as a kid, you have a ways your time of like turning your brain off and enjoying it for what it is, which is just like a real fun, not too edgy, but edgy enough superhero film. That's basically an underdog story where like it's programmed to make you root for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. I feel like only Raimi could like pull that off. 
my defense of the age thing because we actually talked about that on this podcast before uh we mm-hmm. i don't know if you're aware of this we did an entire uh, 40 minutes on the dear Evan hansen trailer because <laughs> 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 you know we're marvel podcasts <laughs> we're marvel podcasts so we, we talked about the Evan hansen trailer for a bit yeah. Um, but my defense at that time, because Tyler was like, well, what about Tobey Maguire? And so so was Tori. They both ganged up on me. But I think was what you said is true, too. But also, Danny, we also had facts on our side. Well, but the thing, my, my, my feeling, my feeling was, and this is still my feeling, is I saw Spider-Man when I was a kid, as I said, and when I was a kid, I didn't know what it was going to look like when I was in high school. As far as I knew, that's what high school looked like. When, when, when you're a kid, you have no idea what high school's going to look like. Like, I remember the day that shook me, because, like, I'm 6'2", when I was in high school, everybody was going to be as tall as me. Where, like, because that's what the movies made me think, where I was yeah. like, oh, mm-hmm. everyone's already practically grown up, right? Where the new generation has the benefit of watching like euphoria and disney channel where actual like but euphoria they like they're still like earlier mid-20s where like they look young enough to really like pull off their own more stuff yeah and the new spider-man films especially where like the casting is way more on point but like back then like nobody was really trying to make high schoolers look accurate at all they're just casting whoever they could where i think how old was Tony mcguire when he did this 20 was he 26 or, I don't know. Well, let's let's Google Tobey Maguire age. Well, what did it say? Rather. He was twenty six, playing a sixteen year old. I think, but uh, this is senior. Uh, about so he's he's technically eighteen. He's technically eighteen because of the senior year. Oh he's yeah, that's 25. true. But yeah, but no, we're like I can kind of believe him as like a as a high school student. I can believe. Uh, Mary Jane is a high school student. It's really only like Flash and like sometimes Harry when he's not wearing like the outfits he's wearing at the beginning of the movie. When he starts wearing more suits, I'm like, you're just you're, you're just the next villain. He's actually he's actually a lot younger than he's three years younger than uh, Toby. He was 22 at the time. It was right after Freaks and Geeks where he was like playing a high schooler. Where like and like it's really funny seeing him in this movie because he doesn't really have much to do besides. Wind about his dad, I give him attention, and Mary Jane, I give him attention, which is why it's really fun to see what he becomes later in the trilogy and stuff. There was too. one moment at the end of the movie I really liked that I had never noticed before that like really impacted me with Harry, which was, um, you know, we the, my, one of my most this movie's so quotable, especially like when you're a kid, you just quote every single line in the movie, you know. But uh, I always think of uh, I had I, I had a father, his name was Ben Parker, which is always just a great moment like always it gives me chills even now after billions of watches of this movie uh but at the end you know peter goes like i'm sorry you lost your dad i know how that felt and he's like i didn't have like he didn't lost lose him he was taken from me and i just like well ben was taken from peter too and that, that's <laughs> like, what's beautiful is that peter could reach out and be like yo like i feel you but you can't because then he'd be like, you killed my dad. You know what I mean? We're like, that's yeah, what's exactly. like, that's what I love so much about this film too. Is that like, it's cause like, well, a lot of superhero films nowadays, not to go on the soapbox about them, is that the danger of losing or your identity becoming public is way less a worry now than in that universe. Where like Peter Parker got revealed like what the last movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But even with that, like it, you don't really even get the sense of like, oh, he should be like not too public about this stuff and everything. Because like it's already like the superhero idea. The superheroes in that movie are so public already. They're celebrities, micro celebrities. Whereas yeah. like with this, you really feel you really feel like the tight stomach tense, the intensity 
of like uh, Peter Parker trying his best to not bring people into this world of his. Because like almost all the scenes with Mary Jane, like in the second ever, just heartbreaking because like he can literally just tell her, but he can't. Because like there's enough in the film that's happening to him to make sense on like, why would you tell her? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Where, where I think the film does a great, like a great job narratively of like making the case of why this kid can't just reveal himself. Especially with like, you know, just a uh, mistaking that like haunts the entire trilogy of Harry Dickens, Spider-Man killed Green Goblin. Well, Harry, uh, uh, Norman. So it's really like, in a way I want to like call this movie and this is such like, this is like such a cheesy buzzword for it, but it's also like, it is how I view it. It's a very operatic film. In a oh, sense, yeah. where it's like by the end, you're like, man, so much has happened with these characters and their relationships to each other. Even just tracking like Mary Jane's character throughout this mm-hmm. movie alone, the way, her, like how her story goes is like very like it's a lot. Sorry, so, so, so I love so much is that all all the characters, well, at least the main characters that we get to see from the high school life, even with Aunt May, they all have like events in this film that are directly impacting them, caused by other people. Where I feel like that's something that's definitely kind of lost, like with later stuff, of just like it feeling like the world has impacted everyone beyond the main character. Where like there are choices that Harry makes, that Peter makes, and Mary Jane make that like all coincide and affect everybody around him and stuff. Where like it's really such a like operatic, I think is a great word for how like the script works because while like I made like as I said earlier, there's, there's dated parts in the writing, I still think like as like you, I think you said earlier, Ty, that like for origin movies of course it's the formula to follow until iron man comes out when the iron man everyone's just doing that now yeah which i don't mind iron man's a great origin film like but where i'm glad that like that's the one to take the like uh title of that from spider-man one but you can get why everyone was trying to like fit everything into this formula i don't want to chase that rabbit too much but i'd say batman begins also was a big one um, oh yeah, yeah. Those, those two especially. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, Batman Begins and Iron Man. Uh, yeah, especially like Man of Steel is literally just Batman Begins, but made by <laughs> yeah. someone who doesn't know how the structure works. Which, which is why, like, that's why I find it so I find it so weird because you guys brought up uh, the Superman films from the from the seventies, and so I remember finding where when I saw those films as a kid is that like they are way more like have the feeling of like a 70 epic where they feel long. They take their yes. time. Very, very like slow pacing where I'm not saying that they're bad, but I'm just saying that like they have a pacing that like most superhero films would never let themselves have in terms of just like world building and not for the better or anything either. It's just, it's what makes it very specific. But the reason why I'm bringing it up is that like what I love is that when Batman begins, I mean, you kind of see like a strand of like where it's going for the origin films. Like, you know, the, tropes and stuff that's gonna be picked up from the future movies whereas with spider-man there's not really much you can really see from superman to spider-man because of how much time there is between it because like mm, yeah that's not really any other great origin movie since like in between those two i feel like well because blade blade's a great film but it's not really an origin superhero film it's just a great action fantastic movie four. action horror fantastic i'll talk about between superman and spider-man oh yeah, because yeah. Batman isn't an origin. Yeah, yeah, Batman like that was also like because it's, it's sort of origin, but it's way more concerned about the city itself, which like, I think yeah. is to the benefit of it. Where like I definitely love a first superhero film that has barely anything to do with the origin, but it's kind of interesting to just see like how much of a gap there is. You know, what I mean, of trying to like revolutionize that type of superhero movie. Yeah, I also think it's interesting because you mentioned this with Superman one. I think this movie has so many scenes in it that you wouldn't see in a modern superhero movie because they'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, you don't need that. 
particularly the one that like stands out. It's just a scene I like, even though, yeah, it feels a little feels a little folksy now, a little dated, but not too bad. Uh, it has a charm to it is like when Uncle Ben is sitting looking at jobs and he's like, even computers have analysts these days. That wouldn't like a scene like obviously mm-hmm. that exact line wouldn't be in any movies nowadays. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like a movie like a scene like that where it's just the two of them sitting down looking for a job while waiting for the actual superhero to come home from school. You wouldn't get a scene like that. Like Aunt May has not had a scene to herself, I think, in the MCU at all. Yeah. Where, where, like, that's that's definitely what I'm talking about is that, like, this movie has such a, like, delicate care for its ensemble because Raimi just naturally as a filmmaker really cares so much about what's outside the frame and how do we bring those people into the narrative where yeah. you really get, like, a sense, like, I've never been in New York, but I still, like, feel like for watching this movie that, like, for a PG-13 film, this probably gives me the closest, like, idea of, like, what it's probably like. Cause like I I, ne- I never forget like the cause like the most recent cause Spider-Man One what's weird Spider-Man One has more memes than two that I notice where like the most recent the meme phone. it's because yeah. Phone. yeah which I mean which I mean like that which I know like you had your uh, text about his performance but like my favorite thing about the phone is that like he's treating this role like it's his King Lear like he's really giving it his all. <laughs> This fight is like not needing like it's like jamming so much into one like not vast thing, but he makes it so great. But like the most recent meme from it was like the Mary Jane shouting defending Peter Parker. I forgot the original context for the scene until I rewatched it last night. As her yelling at her boss for like embarrassing her in front of everybody, where it's just funny to see that it's turned into that. But also just the fact that this movie had time to cast a guy who's barely in focus to shout at Mary Jane about, hey, you better not be, you better count the counter right or whatever. But it's like, I love this. It was just like the setting is alive in this movie. They interrupt a really important scene here. Cause, cause that's another thing I want to get into is that like, um, I feel like the love story that this movie is like pretty much based around it's still really strong. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Because of how many saves they just give to those two. And those yeah. saves always, like, progress it further in a fun way. I remember when I was a kid, and I would quote, like, when I had, like, a schoolyard crush on someone, I would, like, quote scenes from Spider-Man to my mom. Like, I'd be like, is that an angel? <laughs> or, like, what was it when I said... Uh, I was, I don't know, I think I was like, I cried like a baby if they were in Cinderella. <laughs> something like that. But this was like eight-year-old Danny saying this. <laughs> I like what you what you said about the about the romance there because like until I until I watched it again, uh just you know, just this week, I had all I ha- I was under the impression, um because I had so much time between the last time I had watched it. Uh, I I was under the impression that I was like, well, that that romance was really it was just pushed. It was it was just it it was what it was because that's what was written. But watching it now, I'm I I'm like, you know, for everything that Mary Jane went through and Harry never was there harry uh the uh harry wasn't there for her um the big moment is when at the uh thanksgiving uh kind of luncheon dinner that they're having uh where the osbournes come over and um harry does not stand up for mary jane Mm -hmm. you know when uh when norman 
says the awful things that he says. And I'm like, you know, everything that she went through and then Spider-Man's coming in and, you know, saving her and stopping her from uh, Mm -hmm. stopping her from being taken advantage of in that alley uh, scene that Danny was not able to see until until recently <laughs> until oh, today yeah. no i've seen it before today <laughs> until I, today, finally, yeah. I finally built up the courage to watch this <laughs> <laughs> I, I was surprised i thought they were referencing that moment in shrek 2 where like you know uh, <laughs> what <laughs> well, in, shrek two? in shrek 2 they referenced the spider-man kiss that's all i'm saying that's, but that's I'm like, great oh. that's great uh so so yeah it's it's the uh no, the, the romance is is well is well. Yeah, well so, 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 so about that Thanksgiving scene that like I think because like I was just wondering like to add to your point, just something that I think that makes her like infatuation that grows through the film for Spider Man so realistic is that we see her like being torn apart by men left and right, thrown into a box, being decided by this and that. Where Spider Man is the first person to unfortunately like see her as a fellow human being, but. This guy, he is the furthest thing from human. You know what I mean? Like, he's mm-hmm, unreachable. Yeah. Where, yeah. like, there's even a, a bit of tragedy in that love story for her as a character. Where, like, it's just great stuff, like, just in, in between the lines like that. But, like, in the one, one detail I noticed in Thanksgiving scene that, like, I don't know if anyone else noticed is that, like, when the balcony scene, like, uh, Harry's giving her, like, shit because she's not wearing, like, a black dress. She's wearing a black dress at a Thanksgiving dinner where, like, I think it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. She, did, she did that for him and he's still not even, like, caring. Where, like, where Harry is such such a numbskull in this. I love Harry, though. Harry, Harry's fine. Yeah, but this is the point where we do put our disclaimer that James Franco is disgusting and we don't like him. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> James, yeah. We, we need to put a disclaimer here somewhere. Like, uh, and we'll say it the next two weeks, too. But we, yeah. we, we do need to mention it. it he sucks a lot. Important. It's a little important to say. Yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah. It's wild. Like, just side tangent. I, I wasn't like to like some people were hurt when, that, when those news came out about him. Like yeah. Danny could tell you, like I will just stare at James Franco's like growing director filmography and just have <laughs> my blood boil of like, why is he adapting this? Why is he doing this? Where I'm just glad he can't do that anymore. <laughs> like, he can adapt these books. I think so, it's yeah. funny also that like his last movie that he'll probably ever get to really directing it distribution was like actually acclaimed, but that's yeah. what like caused all the stuff to come out. So it's like. But also, like, that movie wasn't that great either. Yeah, I remember, like, I was shocked <laughs> that it got such critical acclaim because, like, I only saw the trailer and I read the book. And, like, just because I saw the dub, it's like, I'm not watching this. Tyler, in case you don't. The, yeah, no, disaster, disaster artist. artist. Like, I couldn't tell if it was just the room fans being excited that their niche little thing got, like, an A24 movie or, like, just, I don't know. I just don't see where everyone else is seeing it because like, everyone's like, oh, you caught Tommy with so, so well. I was like, no, nah, this is awful. This is like a badass and not impression. We're nominated this for an Oscar, but yeah, uh, I'll get off my hate James Franco subbox. I will say two things, uh, and we'll, we'll, then we'll move back to the movie and stuff. But one, he wasn't nominated for the Oscar, but unfortunately, Rami Malek won the Oscar that year for an SNL was that, impression. Was that- <laughs> oh, was that the Rhapsody? Was that the same year? I think it was. No, wait, no, no. Sorry, Disaster Artist was the year before. What's funny is like in, in Carbondale. So Gary Oldman won for an SNL impression. Uh, yeah, a lot so. of SNL impressions are winning Oscars lately. What's up with that? <laughs> you see Joaquin's impression of the Joker. <laughs> well, yeah, All right, we're, we're, we should... we're off. We're off road here. <laughs> yeah, we'll get back. We'll get back to the movie. Uh, Harry, Harry, uh, 
Don, I remember your joke actually. Aren't you the one who told me that joke about Don yeah, Tell Harry? Like, that, that was like, <laughs> we had a like, running joke in college about Don Tell Harry. <laughs> yeah, where like there's like this bit that like me and my friends had, and also I like saw like people on like God, I hate naming this for um, sounds good named alternative Reddit. Like um, Reddit like turned it into a big meme where they're like, oh, so like the Green Goblin when he dies, he has like a weird last line. His last line makes no sense. Like, what, what do you mean? It's the last line. It's like he just says like Dante Harry. Who is Dante Harry? <laughs> like, what? What's, we never heard <laughs> of this character. <laughs> they never explained it in the future sequels and like. I just thought that was like the funniest stuff ever. Where like what side what side what I helped boost like the love I have for this film was the memes that came out of it. Cause that we, was a we huge do meme. Probably need to talk about the Raimi memes. <laughs> we do. Just the like Raimi memes in general. We oh, should yeah, probably the, talk the about Raimi them. memes are like they're they're prime time, which is like I love the guy I hate to forget his name, Bonesaw. Like Bonesaw <laughs> Which like what one of my favorite Randy voices Savage. to do is Bonesaw, yeah. just in general. Like he he's giving it all in that scene. Amazing sequence. But like Whenever um, I, get, I have it? to like have a countdown for three minutes, I have to go like three minutes, <laughs> three <laughs> minutes of playtime. Amazing scene. But no, but like, there's a bone saw meme that I love because like Danny brought up like how like there's a line in that scene that's homophobic, where because like he says one point to a uh, bone saw, he's like, "Oh, that's a cute suit. Does your husband make that for you, or your or your boyfriend wanted to?" And like people made memes from that scene where like Bonesaw is like, yes, my husband did make that for me. And we have a very loving relationship and we've been together for seven years. Like a whole like fan fiction <laughs> random Bonesaw like monologue and being like, how dare you disrespect me and my lover and this that. We're like, well, I don't know. Like I just think that like this greatest film has like such a fan base that so many like weird memes come out of like the smallest pockets of it all you know i also think it's funny how there's like to me these are cameo roles but mm-hmm. octavia spencer and elizabeth banks just showing up for a yeah, scene yeah. way before they made were famous <laughs> elizabeth banks still shocks me in this movie like that she, she's in all three of them she's in all three of them but this yeah. is like she like yeah um, what was I going to say though about now Elizabeth Banks? Oh, about that scene. Cause in the memes, cause I want to talk about this too. It's not actually about the memes, but Toby crying is a meme. Yeah. Yeah. It's a meme face. Yeah. In the moment, I yeah, think it's really is. good acting. <laughs> like, yeah. Tyler's giving me a look. <laughs> because, because, and this is anytime that I think of Toby crying, I imagine Spider-Man three when he's sitting on the bed and he's like the the music for the suit is playing and he's considering he's looking at a suitcase and he's just got tears to his eyes and it's okay, like but no no we'll no, talk no, about no. We'll talk about, and it's like will he get dressed will he not like sorry okay but, <laughs> but specifically the moment in this movie where he sees Uncle Ben is dying he cries but then he gets like enraged that yeah. is good yeah. like acting well, yeah where we're like, like i think it, to me it makes sense why they're avoiding doing uncle ben ever again cinematically because they, they try to make spider-man it was awful like that that's just like one of the most insulting versions of it but like because like the one in this movie is just so well done it's so like it's, it's as like heartbreaking as that moment was in the first issue of spider-man because like just a I know, just, just, just that, like, I mean, it's a, it's a famous tragic moment because Uncle Ben dying is pretty much just a trope at this point. But the film is really able to bring life back into it 
for like once again as I bring up like just the amazing score and direction and also like I agree with that like I think Tom McGuire is giving like his best there especially since we haven't seen how bad his cry could get later so I do agree it's <laughs> crying Spider-Man 3 and I like Spider-Man 3 I like it as like a bad fun comedy action film because that's some good action in it too but y'all talk about it with someone else like um his crying in that movie is like Muppet Core. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Muppet Core, Muppet like, core is uh, a genre now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, what about, uh, about Uncle Ben here? I would say one thing that really proves your point is how in Spider-Verse, they just use the archive audio from this movie. They just use the archive audio. Like, no, no one else could do it. Sorry, Martin Sheen. Sorry. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Martin Sheen should have been able to kill that, but I, I still don't. Hey, yeah. yeah, he had the line where he's like, you know, sometimes when you have... Power, you have to also have a little responsibility. <laughs> That's what I love about that film is that it tries so hard not to say the line until the last scene for some well, reason. Uh, we we, we often joke about Tom Holland's version of it in Civil War, where it's like, you know, Mr. Stark, sometimes you, you got you see someone in trouble, and if you don't help them, but you can, that's not being very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that pretty much, yeah. You, well, well, you like, did, did, did Stanley, did Stanley bite back the rights to the line? Like, why, why can't they say I it? Think, no, because, okay, the thing was, everyone was like, why would they remake Spider-Man 1? It's such a classic. Anyone else have great power... That line belongs to Cliff Robertson. And so yeah. since then, no one has said it other than Cliff Robertson and Archive Audio. <laughs> so. Yeah. But like, well, like, that's what's, that's why I think it's like fine that like it's a meme. Cause like when you see it like in context, like in the film, it's heartbreaking. But when you see it like just like the face just responded to like, oh, Chipotle raised the guacamole price. The meme should be a gif. The meme should be the crying turning into anger. Cause yeah, that would make yeah. it better is if it was like a like a two step gif where it's like they've raised the prices first crying and then just like I'm going to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> But no, like that's that's why like I think that's like because Raimi has like this weird sense of like goofy kookiness, but like seriousness that he's like walking on a tightrope with like other weird filmmakers like Jim Jarmusch, Corn Brothers, David Lynch, where like their material can really double as hilarious, but also horrifying, but also heartbreaking at times. Where like I think that's like honestly more a benefit to that moment that's able to be such a funny meme. But still, so heartbreaking when you see it in context. Yeah. Because like, because like, I think like that one, like the, I think the scene where Aunt May gets like uh, attacked by Green Goblin is horrifying. Deliver but like the the stands on Twitter, the the stands on Twitter, like you don't know what stands are. Pretty much fangirls who are also combined with like bots for artists like BTS, Ariana Grande, Beyonce. Like, yes, you're right. You're right. A lot, a lot of more bots. Like, it's a weird phenomenon. But like, but they took that scene of I'm making the attack by Green Goblin, and whenever like an artist they don't like is like where it's like Lady Gaga praying that Adele won't drop, they post that clip, and like that clip is just now a meme for them, despite. Uh, old, old lady getting her house blown up like that is terrifying. Yeah, the Lady Gaga stands. I hope they did that when Venom came out because I don't know if you remember the big Lady Gaga versus the Venom war. <laughs> I, I, I didn't, I didn't know the war. Out. You didn't know about that? Like Lady Gaga fans, like 
review bombed Venom on IMDb saying Lady Gaga was not like because the stars weren't came out the same weekend yeah. uh, of Venom once so there was a big war between <laughs> the Venom fans and the Lady Gaga stance stands are uh, amazing they don't turn anybody into an enemy hopefully I don't listen to this and destroy my <laughs> Lady life. Gaga stands come after us uh, I've revealed too much uh, what was I going to say about another moment that's a meme that like really was impactful to me in the moment was you know how much I sacrificed because like when you're a kid like boardroom this makes any sense like what are they talking about the board like like what it's just, it's just in the company it's called Oscorp they can't fire him What's, what are they talking about but then now you watch it he's like you know how much is, and like yeah it's ridiculous out of context but in the moment that doesn't feel like a green that feels like a very like Norman just getting to his boiling point yeah uh, like, which that's, that's what I love about that performance so much it's like how he subtly is able to go back and forth in those scenes too where like uh he's just he's amazing at it. But yeah, but like the you know how much I sacrificed prime my fair like just reaction clip right now to like anything. Well, I I'm sure I've sent you that YouTube version where it's like the Linda Ronstadt song where it's like, I don't know what, but I know how much I sacrificed <laughs> <laughs> And that's all I need to know. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh uh, I don't have a meme memeable moment uh, to remark memeable on, but there, 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 <laughs> go on. There, uh, there is there is a a uh, moment where Harry is talking with uh, with Toby. Harry's talking with Peter um, at Harry's apartment, and uh, he says something. They're talking about MJ, and Harry says something. Uh, he's like, oh yeah, sorry, I never told you that, you know, we MJ and I are dating, um, but you never made the move, and you know, you, I know you really liked her, but you never made a move, and then uh, Peter, you know, Peter's just like, Chad, you're right, you're Chad right, Chad I never Harry. made a move. <laughs> I was like the Chad Harry. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. and, and like on. it just that that moment is harry just for the sake of you know his own endeavors was just like yeah this is my best pal and peter would probably you know he'd give me the shirt off his back and you know he would do anything that he could to try and help me out in my times of trouble but i i'm just gonna I know that he's crushing on this girl and I'm not even going to talk to him first. And, you know, and it just, it's, uh, it's, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself. My God. (laughs) Harry Harry, Harry was just going from the vibe like, oh, you took my dad. I'm going to take your girl. I'm going to take your girl. (laughs) (laughs) What is it? A Mr. Steal Your Girl? Is that what? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Gatekeep, gaslight, uh, Harry boss. Like, there you go. Like, he does it all. But uh, but yeah, I, this this movie does a really really good job at uh setting like laying the foundation of that Harry and Peter, uh Harry and Peter, um rivalry that that progresses you know throughout throughout the trilogy. Oh yeah, let die the woman you love, or sacrifice the little children. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep randomly quoting on the phone. Well, the is like, with, with, that, with that like sequence, I always forget how he pulls it off. Because I always forget it's the city. Without the city of New York, Spider-Man would have just been screwed at that moment. 
like the guy with the boats, the people tossing it. Where like that's why I love so much about these films. Like yeah, and it's, it's very setting. post nine eleven. Like very like mm-hmm. look, New York came together and we're gonna protect Spider Man. Yeah, he's an institution of ours now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we're nice. like a uh, great great save, but yeah, <laughs> children, <laughs> children, the Etsy Vetsy Spider. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what a what a picture. <laughs> um, all right, is there anything else we want to talk about the movie? Um, I I can't think can't think of anything. You want to talk about Nickelback? I thought. Well, yeah. Uh, so, and this is just because we had talked we about Nickelback. We have to end on Nickelback. <laughs> when, when we had uh, when we had talked about um, the first Avengers film and. That movie has the just this ran it has this random alternative rock song at the end of it, and it's like, what's this is so weird? What's going on? Because it's like, it's I don't know. Yeah, it's just not. It doesn't vibe with the movie at all. And then the this movie went in credits. Toby's like walking slow motion. He's like, yeah, great power, great responsibility. And then here comes in Nickelback, which they didn't even get their full song put into into the credits. I thought that was funny. Um, the the credits work more. The songs for the credits work more as like a mixer for just a taste of what's going to be on the official soundtrack. The album. Yeah. yeah. Did, back when movies had official soundtracks. Right. Uh, Bring them so, back. Venom so, should have yeah. had a full soundtrack. <laughs> just Eminem, but uh, saying Venom, 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 Venom for twenty minutes. <laughs> uh, that, honestly, I, that song grew on me. The Venom song. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Like, I like it. <laughs> knock, knock, got the devil in. It's Venom in. And mom's that, spaghetti. That, that one's bad. <laughs> mom's spaghetti. <laughs> it's just, just well, what's funny mom's is like spaghetti. I, <laughs> Venom, so Eminem, like, mom's never... spaghetti. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Yeah. You're good. <laughs> Uh, I never realized that was Nickelback. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize that. And they oh, like at the second verse, they sing the second verse, and I'm like, this is the most like, cut co- like copy paste from a Google search type lyrics that you you could get. Uh, <laughs> it, it was yeah. So it it's it's nickel Nickelback and what I call the obligatory early two thousands alt rock end credit song um and i think this may have been the first superhero film to do i can't remember if x-men this, has it because i, I don't remember. think i don't think x-men has has i think they use part of the score um should have had Hugh jackman sing <laughs> i am wolverine <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know what he would have done hey no he would have done good because background in opera anyways and then what got yeah, that's what more. people want when they're leaving X-Men is an opera song. <laughs> it's an opera song from Hugh Jackman. Um, and then I can't remember my past. Yes. Um, and then the his uh, he'll have a song from 2013 for the Wolverine, which is their bone now, not adamantium. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, th- yeah, then we've got the Sum 41 song on Spider-Man where they're trying to I'll sound like Beastie Boys. I turned boys. off the credits as soon as yeah. it began. I didn't hear any of these. I, see, <laughs> I, I was sitting... Like, I was, Who was your thought of the song? I, I didn't listen to I was to sitting on the couch. I was sitting on the couch and I'm like, I'm like, oh, gross. And, and like, when... 
when the score ended and Nickelback started playing, I'm like, oh, I forgot this was a thing. The last thing I want to say before we move on is because we didn't have really a chance to, because uh, we jumped ahead, is I like the last lines of this movie. I quote them, I'm like, this is my gift. This is my curse. Who am I? I'm Spider-Man. And I would say there's a kid, of course, going, this is my gift. Who is this? this is my curse. Who am I? I'm Spider-Dan. Do you get it? Because my name is Danny. It was very clever of eight-year-old me. I'm proud of eight-year-old Danny. Yeah, I'm proud of eight-year-old Danny, but I'm not proud of 20-something-year-old Danny. <laughs> trying. Still, still trying <laughs> you, to make that work. If you're still going around doing it, Danny, we got to move on. <laughs> yeah. This is my gift. This is my curse. <laughs> <laughs> I All feel right. like this is going to so, be something that you're going to start texting now. This is my, <laughs> this is my gift. This is my curse. <laughs> <laughs> all right so oh, our shit. next thing is predictions do we have any predictions for no way home out of this movie julius are you gonna see no way home let's get that out of the way <laughs> I, I i still gotta see far from home like uh <laughs> what's funny is i watched a scene from that yesterday the one where like uh happy picks up peter and then peter's like <laughs> happy you know movies are yeah he's like going. he's like you know i miss him i miss him happy i really miss him I was like, I miss it too, but you're not Iron Man. You're Spider-Man. I was like, yeah, this is cool. Like, but I don't know if I need to see this. He doesn't live up to that. Where we're like, I don't know. Like, I like like Tom Holland a lot. I think Tom Holland's a great actor. I I haven't watched uh, that film he did last year, so I still think that. And like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but like, which which one? The the voice, the voice voice is coming out of his head, or the yeah? Oh yeah, Yeah. I forgot about chaos walking. (laughs) Yeah, so like, he had a bad year. He had a bad year. But like, I don't know. Like, I'll check it out if like. I think everyone had a bad 2020. To be fair, I mean, I'm. Go- I'm I think I might, like, I don't know if I'll check it out in theaters. But like, I'm really excited about the new Doctor Strange film because mm. it's Sam Raimi. Yeah, Elfman's back. Bob Morowski is back on editing too. Where like, yeah. I'm excited for Doctor Strange too. Where from what I can see from the trailers, it's probably going to be a pre-film to that in some way. Well, if I'm going to watch, I'll watch it for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You're not gonna watch for the the weirdly color graded pumpkin bombs. <laughs> nah, we're like we're like we're like, we're like that's because because like this is like not even trying to be like a mean tag on the trip because I really do like Tom Holland Spider Man, but like uh, it's just like I don't really get Spider Man stories when I watch his movies, but I get like MCU stuff out of his movies. And for mm. me, like I'd rather have the Spider Man story, you know what I mean? Gotcha. Which is why like I'm watching it for a reason that's not even for Spider Man, you know what I mean? It's for I, I watch for the Doctor Strange film. You just, uh, this isn't a prediction. I'm sorry, Tyler. But this is a, this is a thought I had when I was watching this movie relating to Tom Holland is, you know, the, one of the big complaints about the, the, the Tom Holland movies, which I agree with, that takes Peter Parker, who is traditionally a lower class kid and puts him into a gifted school, a gifted charter school, and then has Tony Stark as his benefactor. Like that is a major complaint of these movies that it kind of ignores the class differences in a lot of ways. Yeah, whereas like the the underdog story at the heart of it, you can't really find it. Like that that's kind of what more than anything takes me out of the Tom Holland films. Which like everyone else who can like still get into it, don't really worry about that stuff. Like power to them. But for me, that's just why I can't really get them as much as like uh sam raimi's films and i was gonna say though like you watch this one in particular especially compared to the other two toby movies it's very poor kid who lives in queens uh versus rich tech ceo who experiments on himself because of his own hubris 
and is able to build his like you know he has a he has he lives in a mansion you know like it's not like it's not like parasite or anything you know it's not like it's really like saying a lot about class but it's there uh and it's something where like i watch this i'm like yeah this is why i like spider-man as a kid because i i watch this and i can tell he's like He's an underdog, like, as you said, like, he's an underdog, and mm-hmm. that's not really the context of the Tom Holland movies. Yeah, but, like, in terms of prediction, like, I mean, like, do they, I, I mean, I don't know what they could, like, rip from this that they could put in, because the new one's, like, multiverse, well, really right? Defoe. That's basically it. Yeah, because, like, has it already kind of been confirmed that they're not bringing back the other Peter Parkers? Or are they, it like, is, still kind of hiding it? Uh, it's, uh, the only thing that's been confirmed... Nothing has been confirmed, but everyone kind of just believes they're going to be in it anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. no, one's, no, one's, no, one's, no one's like, it's, it, Andrew Garfield can say I'm not in it as much as he wants. We all think he's there. <laughs> yeah, because my name Andrew Garfield doesn't want to be there, but he can't say no to that check. But, um, I sent you that gift well, of the uncut gems of, <laughs> of like, how he's chasing the girl <laughs> and it's Spider-Man questions chasing <laughs> yeah yeah Andrew, I just want to promote my movie stop asking me about Spider-Man please he's probably like begging if he is in the movie he's like probably texting Sony's marketing department every day can you please put out a trailer confirming I'm in it so I stop getting asked about it <laughs> yeah I'm sure, he's getting, I'm sure he's getting bugged about it but like uh, but yeah but I think like if anything with Tom McGuire and I mean, the trailer already like has Doc Ock in it. Like, it's probably gonna riff more from Spider Man Two because that's the most well, popular one. That's the, the most popular one. It, the Goblin is in The Goblin's in the trailer. But my thing is, I still feel like, even despite the Goblin being there, just the whatever like stuff they're trying to get from this era is gonna be more contextualized from what is built for Spider Man Two. Whereas, sure. like, because like, to my name, Spider Man Two is like a decent enough sequel in terms of like a jump forward for the property and the story. Where like a lot of the tone and like emotional beats that they could be taken from like this trilogy is probably gonna be from two rather than one. Cause I feel like one and two have like a lot of like they have like enough differences to really like separate them in that way. Uh, yeah. yeah. So Tyler, what's your prediction? Um my prediction I'm wondering if the Green Goblin in uh, No Way Home. I'm wondering if that Green Goblin, if he will be played by Willem Dafoe, and if so, if it will be a variant from a different spider timeline, you know? I want to put out something very important out here, is that Julius... I, I, I feel like this is very funny, especially because I haven't brought it up. I know Julius hasn't seen Loki, so every time we've mentioned variants on this podcast, I imagine him just being like, these guys are crazy. I have no idea what to talk. What's a variant? What's that? He's, he's just another another version of... Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure Julius caught on, but I'm just saying that's what I think every time we use that terminology. Well, like, I mean, like, I guess from the comics, but like, yeah, I can guess how they're using it, I guess. <laughs> I'll watch Loki at some point. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's for Jonathan that's Majors. Def- for Jonathan Majors. Yeah, that, that <laughs> one's definitely, uh, definitely one to see. Um, so, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm wondering how they'll they'll fit the villains in, how they'll explain where they're from, because at the point that we get Doc Ock, um, <laughs> Green Goblin's dead. You know, in that in that universe and doc ock should be dead too and like doc we ock. See him die. right but also what's his name Al- uh, alfred molina did say like 
in that moment, right before I died in that universe, something happened. So, so I can I can see. Oh yeah, because Alfred Molina gave that interview. Alfred Molina, they, they were like, the they were like, <laughs> "Are you in the new Spider Man?" And then he was like, "Oh yeah, I'm in it. Yeah, it's great. Oh, I'm, they're, they're not gonna copy from this. They can't do that. <laughs> I uh, I'm doing I'm doing things. I'm I'm growling and I'm making sounds. And yeah, did you see that? You know, I was gonna talk about that next week, but did, did I sent that to you, right, Tyler? Yes. The comment from today where like uh, Tom Holland's like, it was so cool. He had to learn how to use CGI instead of puppets. I'm just like, Ugh. yeah. Okay. Yeah, Tom Holland was like he had to relearn the like how to act with like he had to adapt to the modern style of acting, and I'm like just acting against green screens and no one else. Great, wonderful. And I was I was like, well, I mean, like, like yeah, there is something to that, but also like to do something with puppets, I would think is so much more. If you know to make puppets look. And behave. Sorry, my guinea pigs are being weird. <laughs> well, my prediction is, and I, I want to preface this with a very important fact, which is that a lot of times I feel like I predict something and it doesn't happen. It might be because I predicted it, you know? Sometimes you predict something and it just ruins everything. So, my prediction, and hoping that I ruin it, is that Willem Dafoe is not in. Spider-Man No Way Home. It's James Franco reprising his role as the Green Goblin. Oh, because oh, technically be Spider-Man 3 <laughs> hasn't happened. That would be so disappointing, though. Can you imagine people just walking like, ah, yeah, Willem Dafoe, and it's just it's James Franco wearing that stupid, like, ski goggles. <laughs> I mean, I don't think James Franco will be... I don't think Kevin Feige will bring him in. No, no. I, I think he's going to I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised. They still got Jeremy Renner. <laughs> it's true. And uh, the Spunk or SSU is bringing in Jared Leto. So. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? So, like, they, they got standards. <laughs> hey, but does James Franco or Jared Leto have a phone app? <laughs> If you ever do a Jeremy Renner episode, I want to be there. Like, well, Hawkeye we is coming up. <laughs> <laughs> we, it's, it's like instead of covering instead of covering any Hawkeye, we were like, we decided to download a bootleg of the old Jeremy Renner app and go through it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what were we uh, talking about? No, I, I was making yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, James Franco. James yeah. Franco, yeah. Um, all right. Would you rewatch this movie? Yeah, yeah. I'm. It'll, it'll take a couple of years, but yeah, I'll rewatch it. Yeah, like it's it's one of those films where it's like if it's on, I'll I'll sit down and watch if I got nothing to do. Like I kind of place it in that weird like early two thousands category of stuff. Like Scooby Doo's like that. Like mm. Scooby Doo's on, I gotta do. I'll, I'll sit down and watch Scooby Doo again. Some weird early CGI. That where, movie has um, a Hawkeye's wife in it. Uh, Jeremy Renner connection. There yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, exactly. I was going to to uh, for Cr- Chris's question um, at the beginning of the show. I was going to try and figure out a way to fit 
2002 Scooby Doo into yeah, and I was talking with Felicia. Scooby Doo and Dora finally <laughs> the ever. I was like, I was like, what if we with got Margaret and drop the bus? Well, I was like, what if we got what if we got Scooby Doo into the MCU? And she's like, yeah, every we all want that. We all want some Freddie Prince Jr. on here. I'm like, yeah. Can can the Hulk? Be the next Thanos of the MCU when he gets his bus. He just starts <laughs> running over everyone. Most Instead of, of snapping, it's just the Hulk running over people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, but no, like Spider Spider-Man, like as I said, like it's a film that I love. I grew up on it. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll rewatch it. But it's definitely like if it wasn't for this podcast, I probably wouldn't have like purposely rewatched it. But it's like it's a timeless classic. I know, I'm just gonna say like it, it rises above whatever flaws you could find with it. Yeah, for me, if I pick one, you know, I'm gonna watch two. Like, and we'll we'll get into that more next. Me and Tyler will get into that more next week. Um, that said, my takeaway when I rewatched this and I looked at the question of rewatch is I don't know when I'll rewatch it next, but I know for a fact when I have whenever I have kids and they turn five or six, I'm watching it with them. I think this would be so fun to watch whenever I have kids. Oh yeah, with, it's like, like kids and seeing them discover it. Like it's yeah. easily like for me it's the it's the best possible intro to superhero film for like a kid for life action like it beats like all of them for me. Yeah, definitely. In that specific category, I'm not saying it's the best thing ever, but I'm saying if you're going to introduce a bite to it, yeah. I would say, and I almost mentioned this earlier because this is what I I like mentioning when I mention when you when you talk about secret identities and how like they aren't really movies anymore. There, I think Shazam is the one modern superhero movie that gets close to feeling like this does. Yeah, and that's not me saying Shazam is better than like every other origin movie nowadays. It just really feels like it's trying to be like a Raimi movie. I, I feel and like Shazam, good. what makes it so good and fun is that like it brings back a lot of like tropes from that era and makes them fresh again. Where like I really look forward to like what we're going to do with that property, but I have no idea how it's going to fit into everybody else with DC. <laughs> Thing is, I don't really care. Like Shazam being on its own, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, I'm, I'm glad at this point they're very much past the point of like, our universe is not cohesive. It makes no sense, but enjoy. Which I, which I, I mess with that more than anything. <laughs> like, their thing is also, you know, we talked a bit off mic earlier about the Snyder cut. Is imagining, like, if Snyder was allowed to continue with his DC, like, being in charge, how would you fit Shazam into those crossovers if Zack Snyder is directing? How does Zack Snyder do Shazam? Okay. Like, that's because I feel like, and this kind of goes like a side tangent, so I try to keep it quick, but like, MCU, they, they, they really picked a perfect guy to start it off with, with John Favreau because John Favreau has a very, like, he's not like a, like, this is a man, so the John Favreau's a director. John Favreau's just, he's not an auteur. He's very yeah, much yeah, a yeah, buy yeah. the books, I'm here to do what I gotta do director, where I'll show y'all how to do it and feel free to take the formula and do it however you wanna do it. Back Zack Snyder. To formula. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, Zack, Zack Snyder, you can't follow his formula because you're just him. Like, you can't have buff people in slow motion fighting like it's Dragon Ball Z and, like... I'm just imagining Zachary Levi on set after Shazam and, like, having to be in a Justice League sequel directed by Zack Snyder. Like, that's to me such a ludicrous image. Yeah, because as days, you can't... Like, Zack Snyder should have been the last person to introduce the DC Universe because nobody else can follow that act. Like, and nobody should have to because it's so specific and niche. It's as bad as having David Lynch make a Dune movie. <laughs> Very niche reference there. But no, imagine, like, if, <laughs> imagine if someone... Like, like... 
Imagine like the director of Enemy tried to make a Dune movie. Things <laughs> <laughs> like he, he, I like he could do it. He made a Blade Runner sequel. But but yeah, but, but my, my point is that. But yeah, move back on track. I'm just saying like, but yeah, Shazam's good because it's not having to worry about a universe. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, you know I agree. Um, so now it's time for our wise awards. This is where we give a lot of awards, obviously about the movie. Uh, MVP. Uh, I decided to try to stick with something where I could only pick it for Spider-Man 1, in which case i choose Cliff Robertson, who's really the heart of this movie. And really, like, he pulls such a legacy on the other two, too, just off of his performance here. He's really just the perfect Uncle Ben. We've kind of gotten to why already. He's my MVP. Uh, mine is Willem Dafoe. Um, he... I love it when actors just go ham with their characters, just like Tom Hardy with Venom. Uh... Yeah, Willem Dafoe Paul with Bettany the Green. Tale. When yes, Paul Bettany in a Knight's Tale. I'm I'm so glad. Yeah, you were texting me about uh, like things. We can't about get it. into it yet. We'll have but a anyways, full episode about so anyways, it. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Willem Dafoe is mine. And Joyce, who's your MVP? Uh, serious answer. Since you guys picked those two, Kirsten does. I think she really does like the most she can with what could just be like you know a very formulaic love interest. But she really takes like the serious and gravity of that role and takes it all away. Like she's already showing with this film what a strong actor she was going to become later in her career. But um, low key, my real answer is Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> <laughs> a part no of me is also. I will say, a part of me was tempted. I don't know if you're aware of this, Julius. So you're allowed to give it to non-actors. A part of me was tempted to be like Sam Raimi. Uh, but also, I'm like mm, two. Two would be where I might give it to him. But we'll oh, see yeah. next week. I haven't decided. I have to rewatch the movie. Um, so, favorite scene. It's uh, the intro montage for Spider-Man. Now, this isn't the sequence where, like, we see Spider-Man saving people. Are talking about opening I'm, credits? No, no, that's not in this. That No, I'm talking about... It's the Raimi... I, it's really what I would call the Raimi montage. It's when he starts designing his costume and his face is in oh. frame and all the stuff is fading in and out. Like, there's, there's like... This, at one point, there's, like, a photo of Mary Jane and above a photo of the car and it just fades in and out. But it's, like, it's it's really great. The Elfman score soars. He draws a perfect comic accurate version of how Spider-Man's costume is. He also mm-hmm. weirdly, like accidentally draws a sort of looking like Miles Morales costume at one point despite this coming out way earlier than like Miles existing uh, but like you know it's just like it's the Raimi montage that's what I'd call it is is uh, that is really that the moment. one where like where it's got uh, Tobey Maguire like interposed upon yes upon, and, that's what the Raimi and, like, like that's what Raimi like he does that montage in other movies too that aren't Spider-Man like, the, yeah, that, it's like, that part I always laugh when there's one point where you see Tobey Maguire and he looks utterly confused as to where he's at <laughs> and what's going on why is there drawings behind he's just like looking around <laughs> yeah um <laughs> but uh anyways uh no, my my favorite scene is Thanksgiving at uh, Aunt May's um, uh, coming from like the theater the theater background I love I love scenes of like high intensity like not high intensity as in action but high intensity as in like tension and drama Subtext. yeah and like context yeah and that scene has so there's so much tension in this you know in this scene um and it it just it 
uh, we we get a little oh. bit of we get a little bit of Peter Parker. We get a little bit of Norman Osborn, a little bit of Harry Osborn, a little bit of MJ, a little bit of Aunt May. We you know we we visit each of these characters and like yeah, there's I don't know what else what else to say, but like the the tension in that scene is is done really well. Yeah. Julius, what would your favorite scene be? Okay, I see it as a best moment part coming later, so I'll bring up while I was digging there a day later. Because it's not best moment, but it's a moment I like to think about a lot that I think is cool for characters. But favorite scene is honestly probably like what I was talking about when I first even saw the movie. It was like the ending. Like, I really think like the like final confrontation of like Norman making one last pathetic plea of like, please don't like kill me, this and that. Like, I was your father. And then like Peter Parker, like uh, like a father to you. And Peter Parker being able to like, you know, at that point as a character, be able to stand up for himself and be able to recognize like, yeah, like I know this dude, this is like my friend's like dad, but this is like, he killed so many people and stuff. Or like, that reveal still somehow like it's like shocking and like you know heartbreaking because for me when i was watching yesterday i forgot into that scene that like peter parker doesn't even know that green goblin is norman until that yeah. scene where like that's why it's like for me one of my favorites because like it's still able to pull off such like a good twist that's not even really a twist in a way because you're more like surprised by like how peter parker is the last one to find out when it comes to like the movie and stuff and then just like the flip and uh, like his uh, what's the thing he flies on? What's it called? The glider. The glider. Sorry, I, I mean, can I make a quick joke? Uh, the only person, if, if you look at the full overall continuity, really the only person who knows that the Green Goblin is the Green Goblin at this point is their butler. Yeah, <laughs> but he's not gonna bring it up till the end of the third movie, which is so. still, like, such a weird, <laughs> weird Dana bring in. That I scene. everyone like. I don't remember if this was like BTS. I mean, we'll probably get into this more when we talk about Spider Man Three. I don't know if this was BTS or this was like a fan theory that like the butler was hallucinated, like a hallucination of Harry's. But yeah. it's also just like it doesn't really make much sense anyway. Because I don't remember the butler even showing up in this movie. Like I literally don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't but, know. But like, go on. Like, but yeah, but like the, the reveal is amazing, and then like just a uh, flip for the glider, and then like. Green Goblin bringing his own death due to he's unable to like let go of his like raging homicidal vengeance. It's like just brilliant writing and just one like gesture of a character where like I don't know like that to me like that's one of the most like perfect climax scenes like out there. Yeah, and it's also like we didn't really talk about this. the the amount of damage Spider Man takes in that oh, fight. Yeah. Where like so it's good. really a fight with stakes. Where like you you're like you're really following like when he's able to like actually start fighting back at one point i remember i I remember seeing a good point on twitter uh when homecoming came out and people compared like you know how there's that scene in spider-man homecoming where tom holland's like he's been totally beaten he's at his lowest point and like they compared the his look in that scene to the look of toby in the fight here and it's just like toby's totally like He's bleeding. His costume is basically in shreds. Yeah. And in that scene, it's like Tom Holland is a black guy. It's like, mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. Well, like, it's, it's a really brutal, it's a really brutal scene. Brutal. Yeah. Uh, what is the worst scene? Uh, my answer is uh, when Green Goblin, after, after, <laughs> wonderful, well, we didn't talk about much, J.K. Simmons, uh, but we, I think it's pretty much universally agreed, like, 
He's perfect. We don't really. We'll, yeah, we'll, he's we'll talk about him. Yeah, he's amazing. Uh, but like, you know, he goes, "I don't know. The stuff comes in the mail." And the and uh, Spider-Man's like, "Get out of here, Gavi!" And Green Goblin just goes, "Sleep, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sleep." <laughs> That's all great. What I don't like is the scene on top. Which is the only part of the movie where I feel like the masks really limit the expression here. Yeah. Uh, Especially it's just like, they're just kind of, <laughs> I can't really tell, if, I can't tell if Willem Dafoe's in the suit or not, because nah, at is. some points the ADR, well, because at some points the ADR is so obvious in this movie. Uh-huh. Uh, but you can't, yeah, you can't see his lips move in this suit. But it's also just like, there's no real acting in the scene. It's just body movement. It's just kind of like, all right, this is really. It, it's kind of like where like the film has a like. It's not even the film has a danger of seeming like unintentionally funny, but it seems like that that scene feels like a Power Rangers thing. That's the scene that I should have re-edited in college for the sound project. <laughs> we had to redo the sound design for the whole the whole scene. Yeah, that's a good project. I, I will definitely bring up your Spider-Man 2 video, Amazing Spider-Man 2 video when we talk about it on the I still podcast. get comments for that. It's shocking. I, I send that video whenever uh, Phil, Phillips comes up in chats. Uh, <laughs> and Tyler, I will send it to you before yeah, we do our I, I can't, I can't believe episode. that hasn't been taken down yet. That's wild. But it's all right, it's a great video. It's okay. What is your worst scene, uh, Tyler? Okay, for me, it is... It's anything in in the high school, um, and so it's, it's the eight. Yeah, right it's, do what? Do Julius what? is gonna beat you up right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna reach through the screen and just <laughs> just pull me. Yeah, yeah there he goes. Uh, so yeah, it's in. It's, it's like it, anything in the in the high school. Um, buying the age, the age because like the age thing because of comparing like how movies are casted now they actually cast you know people uh, that are a lot closer to the actual age of high school students um also just like toby mcguire toby mcguire does i i i don't i don't buy it i will say and this is all props to sam raimi is that he makes it work. He he makes it, you know, he makes uh he makes the high school work and I buy it because all of the other uh uh all of the other students are around that same age. They all look like they should be, you know, be in the same same schooling. So I will say yeah. that Sam Raimi makes it work and I would also it's a product of its time but also Sam Raimi coming from horror films where the most the majority of your teenagers are actually played by young 20s like early 20 year olds um that uh yeah. you know like I can see how he was able to to make that work. Um so yeah, while it while it works, it's just I guess more of like a continuity continuity thing. It's a nitpicking thing with me. So what about you, Julius? Um, I don't know, like I have a hard time because like I really like almost everything that happens in the movie. <laughs> well I might have to go with the like I really might have to go with the what sorry what? I just randomly remembered the scene that that's just a moment. If we had a worst moment category, it would be 
the part of the very beginning where he's like, I wish I could tell you I was that guy or even that guy. And it's this guy who eats jelly donut and all the jelly just falls out of the donut. <laughs> like when he's fighting into it. There's like, well, I think adds up to the punchline for that is the fact that like when he gets on a bus, even that guy says, yeah, I ain't sitting with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I love that bus scene so much because it really just like, let you know, this is the worst guy to ever exist according to this high school. You would think he was like a, like, yeah. I just like that this like guy a... doesn't know how to eat jelly donuts at all. Like, yeah. you know, like... <laughs> even he's cooler. Even he's cooler than Peter Parker. But, um, but I'm sorry, what is your worst scene? I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't know. Like, my worst scene, I guess, would probably just be like the, probably the rooftop scene. Because I remember when that came on yesterday it wasn't because of the adr because i wasn't really noticing that much stuff but like it was really more just like at one point group guy just walks up to looking like spider-man is just sitting down for whatever yeah. reason he's not even tied <laughs> is he tied up uh no i don't think i think it, yeah. yeah i don't think he, he says he, much he's just he's just, just sitting down Greg guy walks, yeah. and he just walks over he's like Hey, buddy, like he taps his shoulder at one point. Like, yeah, oh. he does. Yeah. yeah, and I'm just like, this is so silly. Like, we're like, this is probably about his favorite scene, if anything. But I still like that scene, even though. Wow. All right. Best moment. It's Peter Parker discovering his powers um, on the rooftop. And, I mean, it. it's the... Go web, go. Go, go web. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah where, where he does Shazam! that. Yes. Um, so it it's it's that uh, type of where it's it's not a like Iron Man one him making his first suit in the cave. You know, that was definitive. But then like when he it's when he decides to carry it forward, you know, keep to carry on the Iron Man suit when he makes Mark two that like when he does that and then he goes flying around and he's like yeah uh you know i can fly you know uh, this is great um that is so much different it hits so much different than this one where it's a kid that's like you know just like danny was talking about where not even the kid with the jelly donut wants to sit with him on you know on the school bus and uh no one wants to sit with him on the school bus and he's you know he's this kid that's just like wait a minute i can do i can climb walls i can do this i can do this i don't need my glasses anymore i can shoot webs i don't you know and it's all it is all a just natural way of discovering his things you know rather than uh the first thing that we see is him uh like in a hoodie fighting fighting bad guys and he's already got most of it figured You're out. You're probably wondering you how know. I got here. You're probably wondering how I got here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh so yeah, like it's it's uh it's just just that natural discovery of of his powers that that I I appreciate there. Well I wanna say one thing about that scene because I didn't mention it yet and then I'll move on to my point. Uh, is that, and this is funny because I just saw Titan with Julius a few weeks ago, which I know is a great way to open this conversation about Spider-Man, uh, is that this is the first movie I was ever like really grossed out by the shot of like the tendrils coming out of his thumbs. I still can't watch that shot with my eyes open all the way. It's just really gross to me. They, oh, they were supposed to be the mechanical things and then uh they decided they were supposed to be the mechanical web shooters i and think it's so i think it's out. so dope that it's, it's just no, a part of his, 
I'm talking about his thumbs, though. I'm talking about like yeah. when it's on his fingerprints, not oh, not the you're organic talking about webbing. For him to, like, the climb. shot of the, the yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. the shot of like his finger and like it's growing out of it. It would always gross me out too because it was on the DVD menu, and I'd be like, hey, I can't look during that part. Oh, cool, Spider Man swinging again. <laughs> okay, cool. uh, but anyway, uh, my favorite moment is uh, speaking of eight year old me is you know Peter reconnects with MJ. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the movie uh, has like a weird two triangles in the corner that are pointing forward, and then it says uh, changing like you know this is a number next to a two. And then all of a sudden, we're at a fire. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, in the fire, Peter saves like some person. But then the last moment is you just hear a woman going, ah, ooh, ooh, ah, ooh, ooh. and then Peter goes to save her, and he goes. <laughs> it's, it's like, that's like a that's like a famous stock scream where like i would hear that in edda and Nettie and like billy and mandy all the time <laughs> but what's great is, is the, it is the green goblin wearing a he's in drag i, I support it you know like and it's real it's a good it's a great fight too after like very quick fight after but it was also just a cool moment you know as a kid Especially when you know you skip the you skip the scary scene, but then all of a sudden there's this jump scare of the Green Goblin that I'm allowed to watch. What? But anyway, I've always liked that sequence in the fire. Also, just the idea of setting like a quick fight inside a fi- a burning building is really cool to me, especially for 2002 mm. and the limitations they had at the time. Yeah. But yeah. But that's my favorite moment. Julius, what's your favorite moment? Is it the jelly donut? Nah, I like the bus scene a lot though. But like my favorite, my favorite moment. Like I was gonna bring up one that's not really my favorite, but you brought up already of like how Jonah doesn't give up. That it's like Peter. I always thought that was like a really cool character detail that like he won't even like despite like this guy's like he's a complete asshole. He still has it in him as a journalist to like not rat in this type of way or give in to like you know someone like that. But um, my, the best moment in, in a similar aspect, I feel like, is like uh, Bruce Campbell's announcer saying, what's your name, kid? And he's like, the human spider. And he's like, human spider? He just off the top of his dome says, the amazing spider. Uh, does he say the amazing Spider-Man? What does he say? He says the amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, he, he says, he says, he says the amazing yeah. Spider-Man, which is like just like, you know, dope because that's like the title of the, the comic series and stuff, movies. but it's also <laughs> but also what's what's like i think amazing about that moment is that like what's what's also just great about spider-man in general as a character is how much so much of the stuff that happens in the story is thrown at him which adds to his whole like every man aspect that he has about him as compared to every other superhero so like any of us could have been spider-man which i think spider-verse makes a great point of but a part of like that like anybody could be spider-man is that anybody can really weave the narrative of this guy too which we see for jay jonah positioning him as a terrorist and also just with this bruce campbell guy deciding this is your name deal with it you're welcome where like i just love like the moment that's just the fact that peter's at first was like i'm not going out there <laughs> they got my name wrong but it's like he's, he's yelling at the wrong guy and stuff Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. You just got me. Can I change my moment? It, it's because the thing is about my moment is it was a scene. I cheated. Um, my moment would actually be it is a split second moment. It's the flashback when he encounters Uncle Ben's killer, and you get that close up of the killer going, "Thanks." Yeah, that is like a, uh, such just a great moment. Mm. Great, oh, but like, that is a moment. That is, and it's devastating. Yeah, because that, that scene is probably a close second for me. I don't know why. All the, all the violent scenes in this are, like, crazy powerful to me. I missed yeah. the problem. That's my problem. 
I also forget that like he kills the guy in this. Like the guy, he practically dies because of him. Because like yeah. the most comics the and cartoon versions, whatever. <laughs> like because in most cartoon and comic versions of Peter Parker, usually you know he webs them and the police take the guy. Where I forget that Raimi like goes all the way, which kind of like brings a fun. Like because the fun thing about the movie in general is like seeing the contrast between like Green Goblin's arc and Spider-Man's arc, but then seeing that they both have like a very similar first kill, but like also different yeah. in so many ways. But yeah. Most disappointing aspect of the film. We'll try to run for this. I think we're a little tired. Yeah. Uh, it's the lack of realism in a high school setting, but I've already mostly talked about that with my worst scene, so I won't go into it. And my disappointing aspect is something I've already talked about too. Uh, I've seen this movie so much that doesn't hit me nearly as well as it did when I was a kid. Um, and it's kind of a bummer to me because I do think this is incredibly well crafted and I should be able to enjoy it as much as say I would like Guardians 2 but the fact is I've seen this so many times that it's not going to hit me like that anymore so the the worst part of this movie is that I've watched it too much (laughs) okay Julius what is the most disappointing aspect of your watch I don't know why I noticed it here but also I haven't watched Spider-Man 2 in years but I just remember like something I loved about Two and even like in three was how much of a reliable influence on Peter Parker Aunt May was. Where Aunt May really isn't that prominent here. She has like a couple scenes where it stands out of her, like you know, time Peter this, time Peter that. But they are like more there to like give us a plot point rather than uh, in two or three, where it's like very substantial to Peter Parker's character. Rather, I guess I like that because for me, it's just saying against Danny that like this. Yeah, we're saying it's Danny that like I've seen this movie so many times, it's never going to be as good as the first time you've seen it. But thankfully, it remains yeah. good. You know what I mean? Which, yeah. Most movies. What was the best surprise? Uh, mine was that the MJ Peter romance really worked well for me. I wasn't expecting it to hold up as well as it did. Same, same. Yeah. Yeah, the Spidey fight choreography is solid. Um, like. Yeah. Like, Spider-Man had moments here where he's uh, just different, him moving around, that I'm like, this, I don't know, this was, I'm like, this is, this is cool, and I don't know if I've necessarily had a moment like that with the Tom Holland Spider-Man films yet, where I'm like, holy cow, how did he do that move, you know? It's definitely solid. But like I feel like going back to my like point right before of like watching it so many times, it also unfortunately has like you know the curse of like being the first movie where the choreography really steps up a lot in the second one. Yeah. And as much as we feel about the third one, the third one has like some really outrageously well done choreography too, mm-hmm. where one really has like has to like send a long shadow of those two movies in terms of like fight choreography. But despite that, it's still pretty good. Like the yeah. action in this. I was going to say, I don't know about the fight itself, but I think the camera work in the last fight is so good. Oh, yeah. It's uh, incredible camera work for yeah. that, that scene. Yeah. So, most excited to see more of. Uh, my, Wait, my comments did we do is, best surprise? Did Julius give a best surprise? Oh, I thought he... Did you want to give a different one? I thought oh, you yeah, no, no, I just grew the romance. Like, because that was something I was worried about rewatching. It was like... Because, like, I remember, like, a lot of people... A lot of people are worried about Kirsten Dust online. Some people think she's an awful actress. But, like, I was really just shocked off guard that she's getting, like, really, to me, a great performance in this, which helps make that romance still, like, work, despite being a 2002 superhero movie. 
because my thing is, as we say, well, a lot of modern superhero films, the romance seems very like half baked on the last thing that was on their mind. Yeah. 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 I mean, she, she did make a uh, second grader cry when she performed. She was it Cinderella? Cried like what? a baby when she played Cinderella. Yeah. yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> as I said, I have most of this movie. <laughs> Yeah. You do too much, you're not Superman, you know. <laughs> you know, that was, the, I don't know if you'd realize, that was the uh, end trailer line. Yeah, you know, I, remember, it, I remember hearing that a lot. It, it was the uh, commercials. Fall collection, Ikea of its time. <laughs> 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 Most excited to see more of. My comment here is, uh, hopefully, if Willem Dafoe's in No Way Home, I assume he is, um, he's allowed to take as much control of his scenes as he was here. I'd like for him to go big and take control. And I'm talking about his acting, not the script. Like, he really just gives it his all here in every scene he's in. I want, I don't want him to be checked out of it. I don't think he will be. I don't think I've seen Willem Dafoe ever really check out of a performance. But I'm hoping they give him material that's worthy of him to go really big with. Yep, yep, agreed. Um, I'm excited to see Raimi's handling of two docs, too strange. Um, because, yeah, like, like what Julius was talking about there. They're getting the band back together, you know, for yeah. their for uh, for this film. So for Benny Cumberbatch, who cares? <laughs> I hope you're glad I didn't say my old nickname for him. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I'm very glad. I have a different nickname that I'll, I'll tell Julius when we're done. Uh, that has been banned for me for repeating it on the podcast. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Bandicoot Crumble Cat. Oh no, uh, Eggs Benedict uh, Cucumber. Uh, yeah, that that's anyway. even better. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Julius, what are you most excited to see more of? Uh, I, I, I'm just going to piggyback off of Ty. Like, um, I'm excited to see if Sam Raimi is able to bring like the energy that he was able to like master in this trilogy to me to what's going on the MCU right now. Where with the Spider-Man films, like, I think it's cool that they're like doing their own version of Spider-Verse, but it's definitely like, I don't know, like I, I can talk about it more, but like I'll try to like, <laughs> keep it going. But it's really just like, we already had a Spider-Verse film. And for me as a Spider-Man fan, since we already, I've lived through like now three reboots of the guy. I'm way more interested in like the darker and more mature stories of Spider-Man. That's really been explored yet, but the movies, they are going into a loop where well, I'm just lucky like, for you. There is a new dark series related to Spider-Man. We have two films in it so far. One of them is Venom. And the second is Venom. Venom is not dark. (laughs) Uh, What are you talking about? Barely in the scenes take place during the day. (laughs) But no, but like, but like, uh, but it's just like, whatever, like, they're trying to do with Spider-Man right now, I'm kind of out of it. Because, like, I already got this trilogy. I don't really need any more of, like, him figuring it out, how to be a hero, being in school and stuff. I want to see what Spider-Man has to be like dealing with his mid 20s because it's just so much stuff because like there's so many arcs in the comics for spider-man where i'm just like excited to see them try to venture into that stuff rather than like you know get another spider-verse film in less than five years which Give is why me the for clone me saga yeah <laughs> oh, the clone saga be so dope but like um <laughs> but yeah where like that's the thing i can really get excited about from this movie as for what's coming in the future is just dr strange too because raimi's back yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I uh I pitched 
it was a while back ago, but I, I had pitched a like a sequel trilogy to the first Tom Holland trilogy where we we pick up our our story with Tom Holland, only he's he's much older, not even necessarily like oh, going he's through dead. <laughs> no. oh, but like basically Marvel zombies in this. Yes. Uh, but uh, basically on, in this, in this, in this second trilogy of uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, it's much more adult. And uh, cause I think we've had enough of him being the kid and you know he's he's maturing. We should reboot again. You know? We should reboot again. We get a ten year old this time. Uh, that's why Sorry. I love so much about Peter B. Parker and Spider Verse. It's because like that's probably the closest thing we got so far yeah. of a grown up Spider Man who's like, oh, I'm maturing now, so it's gonna be like more figured out, but it's actually way worse and way more devastating losses waiting for him. Because mm-hmm. my thing is like Spider Man just like for him as a character, the world just gives him more and more stuff to chew on. Where, like, I'm just hoping the movies will one day be able to get to that stuff at some point. But it seems like everyone's rushing into Miles Morales, which I like Miles Morales. I, I love Miles Morales. I think he's a great character, but I definitely think it kind of sucks for, like, fans of Peter Parker who want to, like, see a grown-up one get live-action movies. But I can't blame him for wanting to go with Miles Morales because it's definitely a time where, like, that would be very vile, you know what I mean, yeah. for, like, this generation to be able to, like, get a full trilogy of that going. Especially because, like, uh, just, just, like there's, there's so much more to his character than what Spider-Verse is even able to get out of him. Where, mm-hmm. like, I can't blame him for wanting to explore him if that's what they're going to do next. I'm just assuming that's what Kevin Feige will probably end up doing. Yeah, yeah. I I think I think a Miles Morales trilogy would be really would be uh, really cool. And I think that that's a character they definitely need to need to explore. Um but I, like you were saying, I want to spend some more time with Peter Parker and get past these recy- recycled storylines, you know, yeah. and uh, really get more in depth. Yeah, I would like to see Peter Parker on his own. I'm, I, I, I'm sorry. I know, I know, we have five movies of him now in the MCU, but that's been my opinion this whole time. He's too tied to Iron Man, and now as soon as he's untied to Iron Man, we're giving him a movie. With- a Spider-Verse movie where it looks like Doctor Strange is, like, a bigger role than the other Spider-Man in it. Yeah. That's like, yeah. just, like, why would I want that? That's what I'm like, saying is, like, this first trilogy is really him maturing from child, from kid to adult, you know? And it's, he's, you know, he's had to have these mentors along the way. But, uh, but yeah, that third, that third trilogy definitely being more of what you were saying, Danny, where it's, he's the adult mm-hmm. and going, he you doesn't know. have to like depend on what's around him. Like it's yeah. very much only his narrative. It's his New York. Yep. But yeah, well, that'd be great. But like, I, I won't be surprised if they're just like, all right, thanks Tom Holland on to Miles Morales. <laughs> but we're like, I won't blame them, but also be like, eh, keep him around for two more, three more. Hell, I, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll check those out. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so, Danny, I do have one more thing I wanted to talk about, and it's called Spider-Man, the Tyler Cut. Okay? Is it where I get to play Spider-Man? It's called Spider-Dan? No, that's going to be Spider-Dan, the the Danny Vincent cut. But in, <laughs> in, in, I 
I just imagine like a DVD cover with that. It's just my face pasted on. It's just, <laughs> it's just your face. Like half of your face is this is a Spider-Man mask, and then the <laughs> other half. But like your Spider-Man mask needs to be like drawn with crayon or something. It needs to be something like and in, and in, in crayon. The front cover critic world is uh if you love Cinderella when you were eight years old, you're gonna love this. Um so in Spider-Man the Tyler Cut, it's still gonna open with a with a twenty four year old man chasing a school bus and that's literally Peter Parker is going to be a 24 year old who does not realize that he is still going to high school and the high school just lets him. <laughs> they just let him do it because he keeps paying for books and being in the classes. So they're like, OK, we'll just let him do it. So just wait, Danny. I know it's full of plot holes. <laughs> I know it's full of plot no, no, holes. I, I have a pitch when you're done. I have an idea for an actor for it. OK, but go on. So he's he's constantly going through this and people and these kids are like and now they, these kids are actually going to be they're going to be high school age students. Okay. Um so and so he's going to stick out like a sore thumb. 24-year-old still chasing down the school bus. And then uh eventually he he does get bit by the spider. But and he thinks that he has powers. So he goes home and it was really just a bad case of food poisoning and and he wakes up <laughs> and he's like, "What?" I've got powers. I can climb walls now. And so he goes outside he and he ends up and just start running into stuff. He ends up climbing. He ends up climbing up to the roof, up to the rooftop. And he's, he thinks that he, it, like he can, uh, cast a web and, you know, jump, jump across. Well, he jumps, but he, this is where it flips. This is the nexus point where he falls down and he actually like lands way down in the alley and he goes into a coma and he dreams the rest of the movie of him being Spider-Man and fighting Green Goblin. It's all a dream. It is all just a dream. And then when he wakes up, like he go, we go through the movie just as how it how it happens. He wakes up and the next next thing that he remembers is he's there at the funeral for Norman Osborn, who just died because of a heart <laughs> condition, not because of Spider-Man. And the movie plays out the rest of the way. So we have this guy who thinks he's a superhero walking away slow-mo, and he's like, I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Nor Norman's, Norman's last line should be, Godspeed, heart attack. Yeah, Godspeed. God <laughs> yes, can, he has can, a heart attack. Can, can, the, uh, can he wake up after he's walking away, revealing that he's actually eight years old and had the Cinderella voice <laughs> <laughs> he fell asleep? <laughs> I, I, would be, I would totally be okay with that. And like a baby, because it was just a dream. <laughs> I would totally be okay with that. <laughs> But my my actor pitch was going to be uh for Aunt May. I I, I think Julianne Moore would be a good choice. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. That's good. Oh. That's good. Y'all are fun. Y'all are fun bunch. <laughs> All right. Um, I think that's our episode. That's a good way to end this off. Julius, do you have any last things you want to say? Any last things you want to talk about? Hey, shout about out. Your 
shout out to Tyler and Danny for having me on. Like, this is really fun. I like, I usually, I usually have a hard time like talking on these things where I like that I was able to, well, I mean, I could talk to Danny for hours, but Tyler, like you're a wonderful co-host too. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Have a comfortable setting and a structure and stuff. This is real fun. Um, for Kuva, market some stuff. Yeah, no, of course. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Like, uh, what is it? So, like, so it's not going to make us lose our sponsors. Yeah, no. <laughs> we don't have. Yeah, so I got <laughs> OnlyFans. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that went to 10 real but, uh, fast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Cut that out. No, I'm joking. <laughs> But no, like I, I, I mentioned earlier, I do editing, but uh, I'm also technically an award-winning filmmaker. I won some award at this film festival in Turkey, so, so the Turkey people like me. You should try to market it there, Turkey. There but, we go. Um, if you want to check out my movies, my music videos, my comedy skits, all of my stuff, you can open up your browser on your phone or computer and type in, hey, look, it's Julius.com, and you can check out my official website and watch my work. I... Dropped a music video last month with this wonderful band named Lo Frando. If you like uh, real cool indie rock with some nice vocals, some fun little anxious songwriting, check out Lo Frando. Check out the video I made for them. It's amazing. I got to make it with a good buddy named Luke. And uh, we got a couple more music videos coming out this year. So check out the site and uh, follow me on Hey Look, It's Juke. I'll be posting all my stuff there on Instagram. Awesome. Cool. Cool, cool. We, I was, it was great to have you on, Julius. We really liked having you. Thank you. I love, please do the Jeremy Renner episode. Uh, I'll be <laughs> back. I was going to say, you'll, 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 you'll come back at some point. We'll find a way for our endgame episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, but this is fun, though. I love, I love to come back on uh, talk about superhero stuff. But yeah, I, I really get jazzed, man. Like most outside of Danny, most of my film friends, when I get to like you know the, the artsy stuff, where for them like the Marvel stuff, they're like, "Hey, I don't like time." I'm like, "No, oh, that's, that's some stuff." Can't it's wait cool. for us to see an artsy movie this weekend for me to walk out and be like, "Who's the superheroes? <laughs> <laughs> Why were the superheroes? <laughs> What's funny? Why were they driving a car for three hours?" <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it have been better if it was Tom Hardy as Venom driving the car? <laughs> I just I just can't wait for the first superhero film to hit Criterion. Like I don't know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a terrible crossover day for film Twitter when it's gonna be bright. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be Thunder Force, the Melissa McCarthy one. Oh Oh, God, Uh, that'd be great. (laughs) All right. Uh, Tyler, send us out. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Why Is with Ty and Dan. We can be found on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. You can also contact us, contact us by email at whyiswithtydan at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at whyiswithtyan1 because I'm number one. You can also follow me, Danny Vincent, on Letterboxd at blankments for reviews of movies including those not in the MCU. We'd also like to thank Joe Schremer for editing this episode. Thank Thanks, you, Joe. Shout out, right. Joe. All right. We'll see you guys next week with, you might not have guessed it, Spider-Man 2. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Bye, Julius. Bye, Joe. <laughs> All, right. All right. We'll All catch right. you in the next one.